from Quite the Thing Media. Hello and welcome to What A Maneuver Podcast. I am your host, Ross Thompson, and this is your little something special that I said on the last pod. I am interviewing uh, one of my friends from uh, the UK uh, independent scenes. Um, without further ado, um, the very good Ewan G. Mackey. How are you doing? I am very well. I'm- so, yeah... I met Ewan, uh, Ewan uh, a while back in uh, Showcase. I, I knew him from uh, W3L um, a few times from a few shows that I helped helped out at. Um, but I really know him best from Showcase because I got a chance to actually sit down and talk to him a couple of times. Um, and it, it was, it, he helped me with a lot of things with uh, promos and stuff that I needed done. Um but um, what what do you remember from the time? If you if you remember anything from the showcase, showcase, mm-hmm. I can remember you being uh, billed as Haystacks Junior. Mm-hmm. But that's I think that's because you looked strikingly like giant haystacks. Yes, uh, that was, uh, and it wasn't really an insult. It was you had a kind of monstrous presence, and uh, I can remember you being one of the wrestlers that could come out and get a reaction just purely on the, the look and the intimidating mm-hmm. size that you that you had. I think like promo wise, I can remember us speaking and I I did say that by the way, if this isn't a if this is coming out in a, a weird way where there's any feedback, do let me know. But uh, mm-hmm. and, and I mean that by the sound, not so much what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I think the, the thing we spoke about was mainly that it was to to not give the audience too much and mm-hmm. let them mm-hmm. let them make up their own minds like a, a good horror film mm-hmm. doesn't give you loads of exposition and or, or a good story really mm-hmm. doesn't give you loads of exposition too much to kind of bog the audience down and having too much to pay attention to or remember so when you're doing in your case when you were doing promos the simplest and most minimal I guess act or phrase could probably get a lot mm-hmm. more noticed than you having to explain mm-hmm. loads and loads about what you were doing, especially given your size. It was it was fortunate that you were already getting a reaction because at doing any promos or doing any any kind of character based work, mm-hmm. you you were already kind of eighty percent there. You didn't need to add a lot. Some people make the mistake of trying to tell you their entire origin story mm-hmm. in you know in, in about thirty seconds, which you don't need to do. So I think in your case, you had a lot of things that were that were good going in. So promo-wise, I think I can remember us saying that don't don't go to a normal, well not a normal cliche, but don't don't try any cliches. You can you you're, you're above it. Mm-hmm. I I do uh, remember uh, quite fondly that you were just like the promo that you saw. Um, I was short, sweet, and to the point. Yeah, that's kind of what I, I was meaning. Like you don't need. You didn't need an awful lot, and mm-hmm. some wrestlers, like myself, can take an approach like that. But you, you didn't need it, mm-hmm. and uh, so long as you knew exactly how you wanted to present yourself and present the the, the promo, you mm-hmm. were 
yeah, yeah, it was it, it was one of it was one of those things where uh, it, it sh- that shouldn't be easy for you. So even mm-hmm. if you were really really good at promos or really really good, you mm-hmm. you it would be as you say short but sweet but less is more mm-hmm. as well so that's that's kind of what i mean well uh, enough about uh, that <laughs> enough about me um we move swiftly on to um the interview so a generic question that um is always asked but it's always interesting to find out the the specific point in time which got you into loving professional wrestling i I've been asked this lots on kind of interviews and podcasts, and I I always kind of I really do not deviate from the point, but I end up giving a really really long answer, and I'm going to try not to do that. But I can remember my friends in school being really into wrestling when I was in primary school, and I I, I felt like the pictures I saw in the annuals and the card collecting and. Uh, it was like I don't know if it was actually there was I think there was a sticker album. There was also wrestling cards collected. I just thought it looked incredibly barbaric. Mm-hmm. And, uh, wondered why there was people carrying weaponry to the ring. Mm-hmm. Why the Legion of Doom had, uh, you know, they spiked shoulder mm-hmm. pads. I thought this is if this is competition, then it doesn't look like it's safe. <laughs> like, uh, so uh, uh, friends of mine told me that they would say, "Oh, uh, yeah, rest, yeah, wrestling's quite." You know, quite dangerous, and and I'd ask. Sometimes I'd see pictures of of wrestling, and, and one day like, I I was being told the earthquake was killing people by sitting on them and crushing them. And I thought, well, I want nothing to, nothing to do with this. I hate this. This seems awful. Like I didn't think there was there was sporting, and then I saw this as like this was barbaric, and I thought, how can this be allowed to happen? Little did I know that that was just kind of schoolyard exaggerated. Talk. Yeah, I I. I had yeah, to, yeah, I, I, I do remember that such as well as myself going through primary school that that was the same for me, uh, so I, I, I do, I, I get exactly what you're saying because it was one of the things that I was. They were all at that point in time. It was all hyping up Stone Cold Steve Austin for me. Yeah. Oh well. Yeah. And 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 God, in the old day, it looks like. Uh, early 90s late 80s it mm-hmm. was uh, uh people were into, into loads of different wrestlers but the ones i knew about were the hulk hogan and ultimate warrior mm-hmm. at the time and earthquake and uh, right, roddy piper mm-hmm. and all of these like really big famous american wrestling names i uh, i just thought it was incredibly barbaric so I, when i was younger i wasn't uh, i say younger because i would oh it would only take a couple of years till i was 10 years old and my friend was watching wrestling on the television and he i think at the time it was adam bomb mm-hmm. taking on a, a they, they say comp- they said contender competitor mm-hmm. they referred to the guys i think his name was tony devito actually mm-hmm. i'll always remember this match because adam bomb came out with his his eyes glowing mm-hmm. and this awesome singlet on and uh, the the goggles that he would wear for the ring and i thought this is really cool it made I, I was worried that somebody was going to get badly hurt mm-hmm. when I watched it, but I could see that it was, uh, it looked like to me a legitimate sporting contest. And when I when I saw it, I thought that's actually quite cool. Mm-hmm. Hooked from the minute I saw that, I was hooked, and uh, it made me think that I'd, oh, because I hadn't watched the wrestling when I was younger, I, I felt like I'd, uh, I'd imagined it to be something like Rocky Four or something. Mm-hmm. I don't know why I'd imagined it to be something like that, but anyhow. 
Uh, but prior to that, my brother and I got Ultimate Warrior and Hulk Hogan for, for uh, not not the actual wrestlers. We got the little figures, the Hasbro figures mm -hmm. for Christmas. I think my grand gave them to us. And we the only thing I knew, I heard tell in the in the playground that they were a tag team. Mm -hmm. And I believe this was like two people that worked in tandem, which is what it's supposed to be. But at the time, mm -hmm. my brother and I had no other wrestlers. So Hulk Hogan and the Ultimate Warrior just played in other games. Mm -hmm. So if we were playing Batman, they were there. <laughs> we were playing... Uh, a, a game involving like the GI Joes, the Ultimate Warrior and Hulk Hogan were just a team. Mm -hmm. They worked together. But I, at the point though, I, I took everything that, that was being spread about the the playground and stuff like that. And wrestling didn't seem like anything important, or or at least barbaric. It was nothing I was interested in until I saw that match with with Adam Bomb, and then I was hooked. I thought this is I like the spectacle of it. I like mm -hmm. the physicality of it, and. It, 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 I guess I, I believed in it, mm -hmm. and not so much uh, the fakery, if you want to call it that. Mm -hmm. I, I, I believed in the, the, it was almost like theatre and sport combined at their most base. Patentry. From, sorry? The pa like the patentry. Uh, sorry, my dyslexia has yeah. covered it, but, but you know what I'm trying to say. <laughs> yeah. I Yeah, and I, I enjoyed that. And then from then on, I would end up, watching wrestling with my friend and really liking Doink the Clown. Mm -hmm. It was the first wrestler I, I liked and people, like my, the kids at school would say, why do you like Doink the Clown? And I thought, well, it's an unusual thing, isn't it? It's not every day you'd expect to see a clown wrestling. Mm -hmm. I think that's been the, the basis of anything I've ever had to do with wrestling myself mm -hmm. and what I've enjoyed. It was always going to be completely out of the box mm -hmm. and it would never run along what everybody else wanted to see. And by the time I was watching wrestling, and enjoying it, the first events that I saw were the, and this is for the, the WWF at the time, mm. that would have been the Survivor Series 94 and then on to the Royal Rumble. And these events uh, and matches, were the concepts were being explained to me by friends and, and, uh, and uh, I, people I, I knew about that time. They were all into it because everybody was heavily into it. And because we were so into it, by the time the Attitude Era started, Lots of people tried to pretend they weren't interested in it, but we actually were all secretly still watching wrestling and loving it. And a lot of people that were too cool for it were actually letting slip that they'd been watching wrestling. So it was good to start, I think, in 1994. That's when I started to watch wrestling and I started to be into it. Mm -hmm. So that's, that's, yeah, exactly. What it was, was just the actually seeing the spectacle, not uh, judging it and, and not seeing it from afar and, it was actually just sitting down to watch it. Uh, that, that certainly, certainly a different way from other people, but especially with uh, the Doink the Clown. Is, but I can see it in your character when, whenever I watch you. I, I, I definitely with the, the, the half and half uh, green and black right now. Mm -hmm. well, I've, I've done that for a, a like... Uh, in, in the evolution of things that I've done, the, the green and black half and half was uh, a kind of an accident, really, to be honest. But the, uh, I've gone back to do that look, mm -hmm. although I, whilst I did the green and the black on different sides, I've now done them on the same side mm -hmm. to kind of fit with the the onesie mm -hmm. that I've got. Yes, I, I, I've seen you go from, uh, I go from the, a goblin from, that was one thing I remember that they calling you a goblin for one point. Yeah. Then you moving on to 
the intellectual, the very good Ewan G. Mackey, and now to the captain. There was an all one and then between, but I don't think it had a proper name to it. The evolution of everything, really, I, when I started, I had an idea of being like a kind of showman, almost like a, not a burlesque performance, but I imagined myself to be a, a showman, because I had done, for a long time, I had done, a, I went to university to study drama and theatre arts, I did contemporary performance, but I'd been in musicals, I'd, I'd acted a lot, I'd been in lots of performance, and I thought, the, the best thing to do would take a kind of performer role. So I had a uh, my furry jacket on, sometimes top hat, sometimes boater Ooh. hat, and a cane that I owned. And I had several canes. Uh, and I thought, yeah, just as a, almost like the 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 announcer in, or the compare in Beyond the Thunderdome. Mm-hmm. <laughs> when when uh, Mel Gibson and the uh, well, Master Blaster, or Blasters at the other side of the arena, if you've seen, you must have seen Mad Max Beyond the Thunderdome. Yes. But in that film, the guy in the middle when he's announcing people, and I thought, yeah, that's what I'd like to do. I'd almost like to be my own, like I would be performing, or like wrestling and performing, but then I would also be able to announce myself and, and create this mystique. But unfortunately, like all things in wrestling, it was taken in and kind of, because I did... Co- comedy things in training, it was turned into a kind of a, oh, a comedy role and I was being called the entertainer. Whilst I don't begrudge that mm-hmm. at the time I was getting my way into wrestling, I despised the fact everyone around me acted like, oh, you're the kind of silly comedy role we understand. That's It's because you're limited and can't do anything. Uh, but that's what some people were like, because everybody at the time mm-hmm. were going around with names like Steel and Blade. And these were their names, and that was their poor attempt at being cool mm-hmm. so that I think from from doing the entertainer gimmick or that idea of, of me being a, a showman I didn't mind that but I was given kind of the uh, I think it's Cloppin is the name of the artist that does the famous kind of entertainer tune mm-hmm. I didn't want that to be the entrance music but I was told it's different, stick with it and uh, I wasn't really given a choice. But what it did do is it moved me away from going with kind of cliched, crappy wrestling gimmick, which I'm mm-hmm. sorry, there is a cascade of them. And I don't, uh, it's going to sound awful, mm-hmm. but I don't care. <laughs> because the the most important thing about wrestling is to kind of engage people. And if you can, call yourself John mm-hmm. Fire or Chris mm-hmm. Water or the Retail Park Ace Steel, mm-hmm. utterly nonsensical wrestling names, whatever you want, the random name generator mm-hmm. that people have, do that but then you've got to really fulfill that for an audience. And it means someone like me coming out and doing something that's slightly different, folk will pay attention mm-hmm. to it, even if they're not entirely sure what to make of it. So when I jumped from being the entertainer and became one half of the Disco Biscuit tag team, it was because uh, myself and Ricky that I teamed with, mm-hmm. we had been told, There's, we have nothing really for you guys as singles, but you want to make a team and we'll have a spot for you. And, and we did, and we just became this kind of disco dancing tag team and after that that was when when ricky and i had a run for a little while i switched to being the very good mr ung mackie then and it was more of a that's when i wore the the uh, venetian carnival mask the the reasonably fine uh, or, or i would say finery but it's not really it was more like a kind of that was the steampunk style mm-hmm. vamp, uh, vampire style shirt and the, the black trousers and the jacket everything there was really supposed to depict me trying to emulate or, or show what my, it was almost like I'm hiding within the human costume. This is what I see. 
this is a kind of over-exaggerated marionette, something like that, to go, well, if, if I'm not worthy, I will be the very good, as in I will be highly respected, I will be highly intelligent, uh, I will hide within this costume, and you'll all see me as, as one of yours. Mm -hmm. It was like a, 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 maybe I would call it satire and a parody of human mm -hmm. beings. Here's me pretending to be this high-class, uh, I wouldn't say aristocrat, but this high, high-class individual with a, with a long uh, uh, nose from the Venetian carnival mask mm -hmm. going around. But, but and clearly underneath this costume is, is a horrible little creature. Mm -hmm. And then uh, the, I gradually refined that, that uh, look to then move on to become Mega Mackie Z, which was a kind of extreme drag queen power up. Mm -hmm. And then I moved from that back to being the very good Mr. Ewan G. Mackie again, because uh, I, my hair for having the dreads and needed a rest. But also I was beginning to refine me as a performer. And then finally, uh, not finally, definitely not finally, but straight from the, the back of me refining myself, I decided to be different. And I was tired of hearing that I was killing the business or that I was, all, all I was was a clown. So I actually became a clown and started mm -hmm. to become, well, I became Sasshole the Clown, and that's the first time I put the the red into my beard and hair. The, I, it wasn't green, it was red, and I played this kind of clown character. But from my the very good to, uh, or the goblin form, or origin form, to the, Mega Mackie Z to Sassel the Clown. Mm -hmm. I wore different kinds of Venetian carnival masks, different mm -hmm. styles of, uh, sometimes in many cases, different styles of, uh, uh, oh, I say different styles of jacket. Yeah, Mega Mackie Z had a couple of uh, uh, revisions. Anyway, by, by Sassel the Clown mm -hmm. era in 2018, I'd done it just because that wrestling business had told me in no uncertain terms that I was just a pointless clown. So I thought, well, what if I become a pointless clown? Apparently, I'm copying people that are now much more famous wrestling in Japan, mm -hmm. which I wasn't copying. I'm going to say it on this podcast as well. No one will care. Is that people kept saying, oh, you're just copying Marty Skrull. And I thought, that's interesting, because I wasn't copying him in 2013 when he was doing a completely, utterly different gimmick. But okay. I remember that. Where, that one I do remember, because uh, that, that came up a few times. But I, I saw you before he came up with it. I actually personally yeah. thought he copied you. Well, the, the only thing I'm going to say is I was doing a show in 2013 and I was speaking to some people, speaking to some wrestlers backstage and he was he was there. And again, I don't know the guy very well. And I wouldn't I wouldn't say anything negative in that regard. Mm. But as, and as a person, I know that lots came out quite recently on social media. I say quite recently, two years ago. My point being is that I was backstage talking. Wouldn't it be cool if somebody was called the, the you know, the, the evil villain or evil mm. something, something. And I was standing there with my gear on, and I don't know if he saw that and got the idea. Thought, ah, oh, I'll do the, I'll do something similar, or he just happened to one day have the idea. But I was definitely in his presence talking about this because there were loads of wrestlers there, and I thought nobody ever comes out as like you know, an, an evil villain like a, I'm going to take over the world kind of evil villain. And I'm not saying I gave him the idea; he probably already had the idea. Mm -hmm. But we were talking about the concept, and he wasn't really joining in the conversation. Mm -hmm. He was there. But again, I'm not going to say he stole anything. I can't really prove that. Mm -hmm. but the thing I hated the most is that I hated being on the receiving end of. There was people that was like, "Oh, he totally copied you," and in my side, I was told by people who didn't know me very well, "You stole that idea." And I thought that's why when there was a Twitter post that, that took the piss out of me for doing like the 
can I copy your homework? Sure, just change it so it doesn't look like you've copied it. I had to put up a poster from 2013 onto that mm -hmm. Twitter thread to go, yeah, look at me travel. And this is why I'm bitter about it. Traveling back in time to steal a gimmick I already had at the time before the other person had it. It's bananas. It is absolute bananas. Mm -hmm. And anyone who's listening to this podcast can hear how actually annoyed I am with it mm -hmm. is that my attempt at creativity and the reason I did it at the time was because I was tired of seeing wrestlers, John Fire, Chris Water, the retail park, Ace Steel. These are the jokey names I've come up with now. But mm -hmm. I, was, I was agonizing in the past. People having utterly ridiculous names. Um, a mix mash of their favorite wrestlers appearing on the UK scene. Mm -hmm. Some people who were quite refined in what they did had unique enough characters and approaches. Other people didn't. But they would talk down to me. So that's why the very good Kirsty and Jimaki kind of came about. <laughs> But in, in that regard, so but when I moved on from being Sasshole the Clown, mm -hmm. which is my way of going, okay, so I'm a clown, I'm just copying. Uh, I returned back to being uh, the very good Mr. Ewan G. Mackey with half and half beard green and half and half uh, hair green. And uh, I came to, as I came to the end, well, I say I came to the end, the pandemic wasn't too long mm -hmm. after, because this was about 2020, like 2018 into 2019, I turned back and worked 2019 and 2020 uh, as I had done. I would I would say probably the most refined I'd ever been mm -hmm. wrestling-wise. And then when the pandemic hit, I thought, oh, well, maybe wrestling will never come back. And, and when it did, before it came back, I decided I would do the pirate gimmick. And I stopped doing that in September mm -hmm. because as much as I enjoyed being a pirate, I forgot what happens when you take that silly approach. And I had done for years doing a very extreme, over-the-top, kind of eye-catching gimmick character-wise makes people treat you like you're almost almost like that's all that's all you've got or that's uh, like it shouldn't be taken seriously so that's what i didn't like as a pirate i was tired of people going oh you're you're very popular these days in a really patronizing way as if to go oh, look at you pretending to be a pirate i don't everyone loves a pirate or or acting like it was cheap mm -hmm. People were happy enough, but going, oh, well, you know, everyone loves a pirate as if it's not down to your own skills that people like you. It's just because you're wearing a pirate hat. That's why. I I kind of get that because uh, I, I got a lot of that myself, um, even though they're obviously different. It's an experience between you and myself and you. I, I, I know exactly what you're talking about. I, I got the whole rookie thing completely every time. Yeah. Um. Especially in showcase. I mean, um, there was there was point. I mean, I think you were there for um, Nathan Black. If you remember him, that man. Oh yeah, I, I know Nathan Black. Yeah. Do you remember the incident between me and him? I I don't know what actually happened. So, um, like, I, like after the show, I went out because I was directed by the promoter, mm -hmm. and. Uh, he instructed me to like sign stuff and talk to the fans. Right, yeah. I just did what the promoter did, uh, told me to. So I was still in gear. Um, was signing and all that. I came back, and like we started to take my stuff off, and I could hear uh, Nathan not happy with the situation, and I was like, mm. uh, "What's what's the matter?" because uh, I, I, I was ob oblivious to what, what was the issue and it, it turned out he was unhappy because I wasn't doing all the rookie things of tearing down the ring um, 
and it was left to him and a few others. Um, well, mm-hmm. I, I can understand the from both sides, right? Uh, for without rubbishing either you or Sean Nathan Black, mm-hmm. the the situation was if the promoter has asked for you to to go out and and sign autographs and things like that. I think from Paul mm-hmm. Geddes's perspective, mm-hmm. you are one of his uh, local and uh, close and 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 reasonably uh, believable people that he could mm-hmm. push to to go out and sign autographs and would believe there would be a, a beneficial reaction and, mm-hmm. the, and the crowd would enjoy that. From Nathan Black's perspective, is because you are a rookie, he's he's expecting, as several other people would, for nobody, for you to not network and go into business for yourself and, and to be going about. However, you're only doing that because the promoter told you. So I, 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 wires I, in that respect. I did explain that to him. I, I said to him, look, I never chose to do this. I I want I was wanting to tear down the ring, get my stuff off, tear help you down, tear down the ring, and that. But uh, it's also a it's a, a weird uh, notion because just uh, most folk should be trying to help with tear down mm-hmm. unless they've got to go. Lots of people mm-hmm. try and escape it, and I don't care for the people in Scottish wrestling that are listening. Some people will try and get out of it too mm-hmm. because they, they they don't want to do it. But I have done it since day one, and I'm I am tired of it. But then you'll see nonsense online mm-hmm. where there's some big wrestling star helping take down the ring, and that'll be the one time they lifted a mm-hmm. board that they got pictures saying, "Oh, they helped." I think yeah, they took a board down, mm-hmm. and and unfortunately that's the way that some wrestlers will act. It's very much similar to I can think of my old experiences working in mm-hmm. in Asda when people would be annoyed that someone else was off thinking, oh, we've got to do all this work because mm-hmm. of them. And I think they might be at home very, very ill. We can't really be nasty to them. So people just don't like the... Uh, like the, If they think something should be a certain way, and that I can totally understand. No, no, I, I, Nathan, that's why I said to him. Nathan Black, yeah, from Nathan Black's perspective, he's probably just angry because he thought you were doing it off your own accord. Mm-hmm. But people are always going to be like, oh, we've got to do so much work because of other people's faults. Instead of just getting on with the work... I have had to take rings down multiple times, but sometimes as a, as a face on a show, mm-hmm. I've been told to sign autographs. And even as a villain, if I've been getting a reaction, sometimes I've been told, you know what, don't go near the ring because mm-hmm. we don't want the fans to, to see you mm-hmm. because they'll, they'll end up reacting and wanting autographs. And even I might even just be going to the toilet mm-hmm. and fans will still want an autograph or something. So it was, a, it was probably from, it sounds like that a... Sean Nathan mm-hmm. Black that he thought that that you were doing that off your own accord, so uh, whilst I, I would say you probably need to chill out a little bit, mm-hmm. uh, the other thing is of course that he uh, or not not so much Sean but I think people in general know how awful that ring job is mm-hmm. in that showcase venue. Oh yes, so, but so it wasn't. Uh, but as I said, I, I I did explain it to him. I, I know I can understand him having a gripe if, if it was me doing it off my own back. But the promoter actually came, as you said, Paul came up to me in person, yeah. said, go out there, sign autograph, talk to the people. Yeah, I think that, that whilst that's good, Paul, who I'm not going to rubbish either, I like Paul, mm-hmm. He's uh, he probably should have realised to keep you mysterious as a big villain, mm-hmm. that uh, it would be better that you... I mean, I, I in my head, I wouldn't have had you take down the ring mm-hmm. in front of the audience. I would want the audience to totally think that you've that you're still backstage as a wrestler. So I would never have I would never have told you to go and sign autographs unless of course we did it was done as a spectacle because of your size mm-hmm. and because of your look mm-hmm. that you that you would be a spectacle for people to go up and see. Mm-hmm. So it would be good if you were separate from 
that instead of going out with the crowd, mm-hmm. it'd be good if you were separate so people knew that they could go up and see Haystacks Junior. You know, but I mean, I would, I, I, I can understand from every perspective. Paul thought, yeah, you'll definitely get a reaction if you go out there. Mm-hmm. It'll advertise you, and and yeah, so I can see it from that perspective. So going back, going back to yourself, um, so. Your journey into wrestling, like, uh, what what was the journey like going? Obviously, you have to go to school, but did you find a wrestling school? And well, I knew that from someone I went to school with, she uh, ended up marrying in, uh, Johnny Lyons and told me about actual local wrestling that, that Johnny Lyons was involved mm-hmm. in. And uh, I spoke to Stu, Johnny Lyons, uh, at, when he when he was working in uh, Game Station in Kirkcaldy, and I found out that there was going to be a wrestling show, 2006, and I'd heard about British wrestling before I'd seen British wrestling mm-hmm. uh, with uh, what was it now? Was it BWF? It was BWF. Sullivan Glen Northus, and I uh, this was a long time ago. I, was, I think I was about 15 years ago. Interestingly enough, I ran into the ring at the end of the show, and John Short uh, told me to get out so that I wouldn't hurt myself. Interesting story mm-hmm. there. For perhaps nobody. Anyway, uh, so Stuart's partner told me about her partner uh, getting involved with wrestling. He'd been wrestling for a couple of years. I speak to him at Game Station because I knew people there in Kirkcaldy mm-hmm. and I knew I began to know Stuart. He told me that there was going to be a show. I saw that it was a W3L mm-hmm. show. I didn't know who they were. Went to the, the Windsor Hotel and saw my first, well, my second, sorry, uh, or third, really, live wrestling show and from then on I thought I wanted to train and a couple of years before that mm-hmm. I'd seen an advertisement on a message board about going to British Championship mm-hmm. Wrestling and to train there but at the time I think I was about 14 or 15 and I wouldn't have had the transport mm-hmm. to get there maybe I was a bit older, mm-hmm. maybe 16 I wouldn't have had the transport to get there so I thought well my goal to train as a wrestler will never happen but mm-hmm. then I realised that the, the W3L training school was not only was it close by to me, it was round about this time that I managed to pass my driving test as well. I was about to go away to be in Portugal for a couple of months. Mm-hmm. But after that, I thought, you know what, I'll come back and I'll start my training as soon as, as soon as I come back. And that's just basically how I started. Mm-hmm. I saw the first W3L event. I say first, it was my first. Mm-hmm. Uh, it wasn't the first W3L event, but I saw that and decided to, uh, to, to give it a shot. And that was it, my first training session. Uh, that I had was a, a couple of, uh, I'd say a couple of weeks to the end of the summer, I mm-hmm. think, or the middle of the summer. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it was about that, 2006. So that was how I got involved. Mm-hmm. How how was like the the journey from there on, like from the training? I mean, I know sometimes certain parts of it can be brutal during the training. Um, well, physi- mm-hmm. f- physically, I. Physically, I thought I wouldn't be able to do it. And then when I started to get involved, I think because I really, really wanted to do it and I also enjoyed watching wrestling, it wasn't like going into school and being told, yeah, we're going to do divisions mm-hmm. now in math. So we're going to do Pythagoras' theorem. It was more of a case of if I was told you're going to learn drop kicks tonight, we're going to learn drop kicks and elbow drops. I was like, brilliant, can't mm-hmm. wait. And instead of you know elbow dropping your, your pillows and stuff like that at home or imagining that you were walking out to the... To the to the you know to, to the the entrance mm-hmm. way and doing a splash onto onto what would be your bed mm-hmm. uh, bed sheets you're actually going to learn this stuff in a real wrestling ring and I I, I think I took to it that way because I got really really excited 
and couldn't wait to get involved. So I really the the mm -hmm. cardio and stuff like that. I really was fortunate that I was able to keep up with a lot of the stuff that we did in class. It was only really the first session when I was taking mm -hmm. bumps. I probably shouldn't have, but I, the first couple that I took, people said, "Wow, they're they're." quite good and it wasn't because I was a sudden prodigy it was more the fact that I'd watched everybody copied them and was determined to get it right it was like a crash course for me I thought you've got to get this right try and, try and be a wrestler within the year Ooh. and uh, it was only really three to four months it took for me to to be ready to I say ready, not really ready but knowing moves, being able to bump and being able to understand basic parts of a match but the yeah, the, the, when I got home that night and I was in the shower, I was covered in welts and rope burns, and I thought, my God, I'm never going to manage this. But <laughs> within a day, I was back for another session. So that I never thought it was that training. I think what was grueling is the more advanced things got, the more I uh, found that I would, well, not so much need to increase my fitness. It was more of a case of I was needing to get over, uh, like get, get, come come to terms with the fact that I was smaller than a lot of people mm -hmm. and that in my head me hitting big power moves or anything like that was, was never going to happen so when it came to classes and but it's part of the performance you're meant to post people up and and you throw them about and I realised that I would have to adapt what I was doing for my not so much my size because I'm not minuscule mm -hmm. but hey because it was people the same size as me in classes but they were younger folk and I was in my 20s at this point so I thought that I didn't really want to be like a high flyer. I wanted mm -hmm. to do loads of technical stuff, and that was an approach I was happy to take. However, I uh, I realised that my my size would gradually probably get held against me because I was small, and in many ways it was a case of uh, because other people could effortlessly throw me about if they didn't want to really work hard, mm -hmm. or they thought, oh, let me try this move. That was the one thing you like. You, you can. If you can bump and you can land, lots of people go, oh, you're small enough, I can pick you up. I think that's mm -hmm. what I didn't like the most, is that if anybody had an idea for something, it was a case of, can you go to the ring a minute so I can try this thing because you'll be easy to pick up. Mm -hmm. And I thought, I'm easy to pick up because I'm posting off of you for my own safety. Mm -hmm. I don't want to be, <laughs> I don't want to take loads and loads and loads of moves in this class. But I think that that, that, was, that was one thing. And the, the other thing, of course, being that it was really good to, to, to train but uh, I ended up spraining my shoulder in 2008 uh, when I was a, like, was wrestling and was doing in matches on shows and events. And uh, from then on, I found I wasn't limited, but I found that there were some things that would hurt me <laughs> and I'd have to move on to to getting by that. So the, the, there were no really dangerous pitfalls or, or hazards within the environment I was in where, where my health was concerned, apart from the fact that obviously... I hurt myself during training it was because I was trying stuff I was able to do and just that one day it didn't go right however from then on mm -hmm. from when it, from training for the rest of the time I, I've been wrestling I've noticed I mean my shoulders are better now mm -hmm. but for that it didn't set me back it just meant that I had to think I couldn't be reckless anymore I had to be very careful with what I did and uh, made sure that when I was paying attention on how to do and, and I was paying attention when I was shown how to do mm -hmm. something so that I wouldn't get hurt and I think that's that's an anxiety that follows you when you go to any training school now. I think I don't want to be the one that makes a mess of things. Yeah. So I want to preserve myself. I want to look after myself. So I went from being somebody who happily, vol happily volunteered his, his body for whatever people were doing to now, well, maybe not to now, but for, for a wee while during training, I thought, no, I, I'm here to learn the gig. I'm not here to play about. 
It's, it's fine that we, we're learning moves, we're trying moves mm. on each other. But I want to preserve myself for the class because I don't, I don't want to end up injured in a wrestling sense if I have to do a, an event, uh, you know, uh, after training. Mm -hmm. So I, I hated the fact that for a long time, I, people seemed to think I had to be the one that, that, that took all of the the moves mm -hmm. for a bit. Not not completely. It didn't happen all the time. But when it did, I thought, no, we're all here putting in the same shift together. Mm -hmm. Why do I have to do this sequence again and again? Mm -hmm. Because uh, you know, just because I'm willing to do it, or I can bump and move about, you know. Just for the record, I never asked you to do anything. Uh, it would have been no, a mismatch. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah. That was one thing. Even even though I I never did it to anybody. Um. I, the only thing I do remember that I with yourself that I do do think about sometimes is because um, it was Liam Liam Watson yeah. said to me yeah. in that we rumble thing we did that uh, when I did a back back drop on you um, either you weren't expecting it or um, I don't know maybe miscommunication. Um, that you landed on upper higher up on your shoulders. Yeah, but I'm sure I survived. Yeah, you did. You. you did. I was just I, I do remember doing that, and uh, you, Liam Liam actually get looked like he was quite angry with me because he thought I hurt you, but you you were there well, to quickly say that no, you were fine. Yeah, I was fine. I think that. It maybe it maybe looked up. There was maybe a timing issue, but if 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 it was executed well enough to get a reaction from the people, and mm -hmm. I mean it's got a reaction from a wrestler in Liam's case, so mm -hmm. we were we were fortunate there. If, if it had gone either way, it might have looked terrible mm -hmm. or really really bad, mm -hmm. like really really dangerous. Mm -hmm. But we we managed to avoid that, so we, it seems okay. It mm -hmm. might have also been my fault, mm -hmm. like due to the timing. Mm -hmm. I think it probably was because I just I, I was trying to do the thing where I try to lift you up and you bring me back down. Yeah. And then when we went through like the third time, you might have not thought I was going to do it then. Yeah, I didn't think you were going to go. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So moving on, like I always like the stories from the road when I listen to anything with uh, any wrestlers. Uh, some of the good things and some of the bad things. Is there anything that are memorable for you? Traveling up and down the road, either good or bad or both, um, well, that you can when remember. I, when I when I read this question, I usually and I always say I've enjoyed the the banter within uh, wrestling, sometimes more than the actual events. Mm -hmm. But the there are, I, I mean, when people expect road stories, sometimes they expect some insane, like uh, the you know some kind of. In, saying debauchery or, or anything like that but I, I th th I've kind of broke this down when I, I, in my head mm -hmm. knowing how I've felt especially this year and I, I think that I've enjoyed the I've enjoyed some of the, the wrestling trips that I've been on because in Scotland that we've gone to wonderful places like mm -hmm. Oban and the trip up there especially on a sunny day is magnificent mm -hmm. and getting to Oban with the lovely theatre that's there and the actual town, mm -hmm. it looks wonderful. And at times you feel like a camaraderie with lots of people. Like mm -hmm. the amount of trips I've taken to England, where you, if, if the day itself is nice, the actual weather is nice and there's a good atmosphere, you find yourself really enjoying the, the trip that you're taking. Mm -hmm. 
uh, sometimes a, like a, a trip full of bad weather mm-hmm. can be can still be good for the company you keep. I can remember myself and Rob Cage mm-hmm. being in. Uh, well, I remember meeting Rob Cage in London mm-hmm. and going for a, a Chinese uh, before we ended up flying away to Germany. And the Chinese I went to, I'd gone several years prior with friends uh, from Portugal, right? Mm-hmm. Which I'd, I'd realised, wow, we're in the same Chinese. Mm-hmm. But the well, I can remember Rob and I falling asleep. Uh, I mean, we'd been to Germany several times. We fell asleep mm-hmm. uh, at the airport to get on a plane. But I can remember being in the underground in London and not knowing really how things work mm-hmm. because I, I can't remember ever being there. And like lightning, I went to put money in mm-hmm. to get an Oyster card. Rob already had one, mm-hmm. and he he opened up the the uh, dispenser beneath, not not actually the dispenser, the, the flap that opens up to give you your, your mm-hmm. card, found that there was already an Oyster card there. And uh, I didn't even know. I, and I'm usually quite a... A, a rush, uh, someone who rushes around, mm-hmm. and, but this it was like lightning. And Rob's like, "Do need to put any money in? Here's one here. Just get money on it." And I thought, mm-hmm. "Wow, okay, this is really, really fast and hustly bustly down here." Mm-hmm. Anyhow, my point is, is that when Ross, eh, Ross, Rob, and I had travelled an awful lot, there are two, well, let's say, one story really unusual story where uh, we'd gone back to back and forward to London and Germany for events, uh, and I can remember and just a very bizarre one. We were sitting waiting to go on the plane. And I think we're in Bremen, about to fly back to London mm-hmm. after uh, an event in Germany. And Rob and I noticed a small bug crawling over the back of my bag. Mm-hmm. And uh, throughout the whole uh, queue down to getting onto the plane, this insect hasn't flown away. Uh, I, we end up going into the, the plane, uh, this little bug still sitting on my bag. I put the bag in the, in the, the hold above me, end up flying all the way back to London, and we're sitting in the lovely sunshine, waiting for uh, getting a bus. This little insect reappears, and we thought we'd taken a small bug from Germany over to the UK. That bug doesn't know any, like I'm sure it does, It's maybe it is bilingual, mm-hmm. but it doesn't know where it is. Effectively, mm-hmm. it's travelled a huge distance for a little insect. And mm-hmm. the whole trip, Rob and I called him Alan Jarvis, <laughs> because we... Decide, well, Rob said that's what his name was, but we'd been calling him Alan Jarvis the whole trip, wondering how he was getting on in mm-hmm. the, the baggage hold above our heads. And then I went to the toilet, mm-hmm. and as I came back, Rob said to me that he'd flown away. Mm-hmm. And while we were both devastated, he said he'd left a little note that was that's, that said, it was in tiny handwriting, so Rob couldn't read it, mm-hmm. but Rob said that the little note had, had written, uh, had, that had been written said, thank you for letting me start my new life and thank you for being with me on this journey Rob and Ewan mm-hmm. signed Gonzalez and Rob said ah so he wasn't called Alan Jarvis after <laughs> all and I think as silly as that was that was such a fun little trip mm-hmm. uh, that was a good example of mm-hmm. wrestling trips and I've several times I've been driving away or I've been driven away mm-hmm. sorry in a shows from Germany and the one I'll always remember is being picked up by a promoter's dad Mm-hmm. And I said to him, uh, I, I, I was I was fine with looking out for the car. I said, what am I looking mm-hmm. out for? I think it was a white car I was looking out for. And he's, the promoter said, watch out. My dad's a real Nazi. And I thought, like, is he really, really strict? And people, uh, the person that was staying with my friend, Izzy, said, no, he, he actually is a, a Nazi. And I thought, well, he, don't be silly. But apparently, yes, he did have, like, <laughs> Nazi memorabilia, which is so strange. Anyway... I go into Marcus's dad's car, and mm-hmm. he's he's already had a 
a beer. Mm-hmm. And I thought, well, in Germany, the laws of the road are different. So people can drink. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> people can drink before they drive. Mm-hmm. Uh, but as we're driving, Marcus's dad drinks more and more. And I thought, we're on the autobahn. I thought, I'm going to die today. Yeah. I really think I am. And then by the time we actually get to the airport for me to go, I've I've been given a can of beer. I thought, this is quite strong. And he's got several. Like He's, he's tanked a couple. <laughs> I think... Is, am I, is sure this is allowed? I think I've just probably incriminated them. Don't worry, anyone listening. It was years ago. Doesn't matter. But uh, anyway, mm-hmm. uh, he gave me a can for the. Uh, he's like for the for the trip mm-hmm. as I'm leaving, and I'm standing there with this big can of German beer, and I thought, this is about to knock me out. This beer. How did he manage to drink several of them in the car? Did I really just take my life into my own hands here? But I always remember being slightly scared but mm-hmm. amused by it the whole time, thinking, right, if I die, this is how I end up going. <laughs> Coming mm-hmm. back from a wrestling event to the airport with this guy drinking heavily. Now, there's probably, like, uh, he probably was able to handle it, mm-hmm. to be honest. Like, he's, he's German. It's probably commonplace. That's what they do. They like to drink. But mm-hmm. that's not me being racist. That is true. Mm-hmm. That's, all, that's all I can remember from being in the, in the north of Germany is, people like a drink but they don't get rowdy they just like to they just like to sit around and talk and <laughs> that's what they end up doing when they drink mm-hmm. but yeah so that of all the things i can actually think of i've had some hectic times of being left behind in edinburgh because one bus has not shown up and that would be like the last bus so i've had to make do and find a way of getting away but that one i genuinely out of all the, the road stories mm-hmm. i've come, come back to that one quite a lot because there are ones that involve like there's been debauchery and and some mm-hmm. wrestlers going crazy and drugs, but that one I always remember where I thought, surely he's finished drinking. Nope, that's him back on another can there. And, mm-hmm. and I thought by this point I wouldn't be able to, I'd be able to be, barely be able to open the vehicle door. Mm-hmm. But no, here I am in this car with this man, finishing a six pack of what seems to be incredibly intense beer. And, and then as he stops, he stops very calmly and nicely at the airport and goes, for the trip, gives me one of the other, uh, give me another can of beer. I'd already drank one, and I thought, well, I'm glad I survived. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I'm walking into the, mm-hmm. uh, into the airport. So yeah, you you actually got the idea of what the the question I was going for because I was I wasn't thinking of anything debauchery. I was just thinking of something. It was like yeah. I actually thought maybe one would would be like if anything bad happened, with like like car trouble or something like that. Yeah. Um, but other than that, that was that was. Yeah, like I thought mm-hmm. there, like we've had car trouble before, and the mad kind of attractors being in front of mm-hmm. you, or you know the the crazy things that end up happening on the road where you end up being in a like a a, a traffic jam. But mm-hmm. that's just made me late to shows. This was different. This was me. The, the event was finished, mm-hmm. and there's me mm-hmm. going back to the airport, wondering whether or not I was going to survive. Mm-hmm. And I, I mean, I obviously I did them here, but mm-hmm. at the time I thought this is intense. You would never get away with doing this in Scotland. I mean, you could try it, but mm. I was so amazed at how Marcus's dad still managed to drive. Uh, he just seemed he seemed crazy, but very, very subdued and very nice to me. But at the same time, I thought, I'm going to die. <laughs> That's his fifth beer. That's his fifth beer. And he's put the cans behind him. Mm-hmm. And he would be, he didn't really talk to me too much, but he was still nice to what he did say. Uh, it was very friendly, but mm-hmm. I was looking out and thinking, we're very, very fast. And he's, he's very, very drunk. <laughs> I think I'm going to die. And I didn't, so that was good. It's always good to survive one of those. Um, yes, definitely. 
<laughs> yeah, I, I haven't experienced something like that with wrestling, but I have experienced it in personal life, so I can guess the, the feelings of jubilation when you got to get out of that car. So, yes. Oh, yeah. And the thing is, though, as I say, lovely man, and I think he was just... He was kicking the air suit out, mm. basically. That's, that's mm. what he was doing. But again, culturally, I think it was... I guess it would be the same as... as you know, you get used to driving behind the wheel of mm-hmm. a car. Mm-hmm. It's probably from a different era. So uh, I, I was so used to the rules and regulations in Scotland being a driver myself that I just wouldn't touch alcohol before I got in a car. It would probably before the. It was probably like how culturally how it was before like the laws came in. Don't drink and drive here. Yeah. Oh yeah. So, yeah, that, <laughs> it's brilliant. It's not to, to shoot. Uh, Marcus's dad down at all. He was great, but I, I thought, mm-hmm. can you stop drinking now? We're both going to die. Mm-hmm. We didn't. And uh, then moving on to a wee bit better, a wee bit better uh, stuff is like your favourite moments within just watching wrestling. I know you touched on some favourite moments then, but I mean, there could be like when you're watching it in person or that, and yourself performing inside the ring. I think. Right, recently, here's, here's a good example. Recently, I've had uh, I've had moments throughout the uh, the years I've been wrestling since 2007, mm-hmm. right? But and I've always enjoyed like a crowd pop for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, but and within wrestling, like when, when I watched uh, wrestling on TV, what I always remember is the reaction. I always talk about this: the reaction where. Uh, Mankind is about to wrestle Triple H, or was meant to wrestle Triple H, and they, I think it's, yeah, it's the, the Royal Rumble. Mm-hmm. It's that line where he he turns away from Triple H and says that he won't face him, uh, and, or Mankind won't face Triple H. And uh, 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 it's, at the I quit, it's an I Quit match at the Rumble, I think. Mm-hmm. And then he says, but he knows someone that will face him. And he unbuttons his shirt, and he's got the Cactus Jack mm-hmm. T-shirt on underneath. Underneath, and the crowd goes insane. And that's a really old bit of wrestling television. Mm-hmm. But I always remember that because of the simple unbuttoning of a shirt told the story of this guy's other persona, other mm-hmm. character that was so well known for being a uh, crazy and violent mm-hmm. that the crowd gave it such a reaction, and it was down to Triple H mm-hmm. reacting, and it was down to the audience, the commentators, everything. But that still stands out as one of my favourite moments within professional wrestling. Mm-hmm. And so unfortunately, hardly think that either one of those men are going to be listening. But I thought Mankind was pretty cool. Wasn't he that bothered about Triple H? But mm-hmm. did like him as an aggressive villain mm-hmm. that that people could people could fight against. So me watching wrestling that stuck with me forever because I thought the crowd turned on like on a moment of him turning away, going, "I don't, you know, I don't want to." I, I don't want to face you, I can't face you. And then turning back and saying, but I know someone who will. Mm-hmm. And unbuttoning his shirt. And I think for me, recently, I've enjoyed ca- trying to cultivate that emotion from the from the audience. And uh, as s- in some cases, the audiences are not thousands and thousands of people, but even they have been hundreds and hundreds of people. The, the last FCW event, when I came out for their... Uh, Fair City Rumble, I think the audience who'd known me and seen me over the last year or the last two or three years expected me to come out in my pirate forms when my name appeared on the screen they, uh, they I don't know what they thought to 
it was going to happen, but there was an enormous reaction for me coming out. And I think that I've been always enjoyed that crowd reaction. And so when they reacted, even as a villain, I thought, what possibly did they think it was going to happen? You know? I came out debuting the, well, not debuting, but for the first time in Tullock, anyway, in Perth, I came out in my half-and-half half costume, speaking of the Neo paradigm, which is what I do these days, and uh, which is better than anything I've ever come up with, I think. And that reaction was really, really good. And I walked through all these people waving signs of mine. They have no idea what it's about, but it shows you just how readily they will consume the absolute nonsense they see before them. But a couple of months before that, I'd been in a match where uh, I was still doing my pirate look, and I'd... I'd become like, almost exhausted. I'd been beaten up so badly that I, I just went and grabbed the cup that mm-hmm. we were competing for mm-hmm. and said to Craig Stevens in the ring that, I, you know what, he could just have it because I, I, I didn't want it. And the match wasn't over, but he turned to the audience, raising the cup and, mm-hmm. and screaming that he'd now had three belts and this uh, cuff, uh, cuff, cuff cup but as he turned his back the match was still on the referee refused to acknowledge that he'd won it he was just gloating to the audience i rolled him up in a schoolboy pin from behind Mm -hmm. one by pinning him for the three and as he popped up surprised he'd just been lied to or not lied he'd been fooled i stole the cup from him and held it up and the audience gave us a huge reaction Mm -hmm. from it and i thought that's brilliant and we we made that up seconds before we wandered out uh i think i'd maybe not seconds, it'd been like an hour or so and thought, hey, this would be a good idea. And the only other examples I can think of it, going out for ICW, mm-hmm. uh, I think Nathan Black was coming out and we'd been proposed that we would team together mm-hmm. there. And Nathan Black ended up coming, we've spoken about him already, mm-hmm. he ended up coming out in my spot for a rumble because mm-hmm. I was coming out later, mm-hmm. or I think it was some I wish I could remember what had happened, but we ended up using the same theme mm-hmm. so that when Nathan Black came out, he got an enormous reaction mm-hmm. to because I'd not been in, and I don't think it was that ICW crowd were missing mm-hmm. me or anything, but I think they did not expect it. It was almost like, I guess, the Honky Tonk Man appearing mm-hmm. in a, a rumble, but it wasn't a rumble. At least I don't think it was. It was a multi-man thing. Mm-hmm. Anyway, Nathan Black came out and laid waste to people, but my music came on mm-hmm. and everybody went crazy. Mm-hmm. And I came out later to, to not the same reaction because I think they, they, they thought, oh, we thought you were coming out. Then Nathan Black came out mm-hmm. and then you did come out to your music, but we'd already heard that we'd already had that reaction. Mm-hmm. But I always remember the pop as soon as the music hit and the image appeared on the screen mm-hmm. because I thought, wow, they, they obviously haven't forgotten what it is mm-hmm. I do and who I am. So, yeah, like those moments like that, the crowd reaction, like sometimes if I think about being at an event where I had to jump from, I had to jump from the turnbuckle to the ladder in the middle of the ring and I knew if I make a mistake here, I'm going to end up hurting the guys that are trapped by the ladder, Mm -hmm. but I'm also going to look stupid. So I just went for it. Like Mm -hmm. I jumped from the middle, I think it was the top of the middle turnbuckle Mm -hmm. straight to a ladder in the middle of the ring at a, a Hell for Lycra event. And... I made it. I actually made it, and I was so proud of myself. And it got mm-hmm. a pop from the audience because it was one of those: you either do this and it and it works, if, and if it fails, you 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 know you're done. You cannot really complete the mm-hmm. spot here. So yeah, I was proud of that that moment mm-hmm. and the reaction it got when I managed to properly land clink on the on the ladder. Mm-hmm. I was I was so proud of myself for managing it. So yeah. Um. So moving on from favourite to worst or most hated moments of either watching wrestling or performing yourself. I I, I think... Mm -hmm. Continue, Ross. No, no, 
I was just like going to add on to it, but you'd start to speak and so. Oh no, well, add on to it just now and get in, I'll, uh, I'll, I'll answer after it. It doesn't have to be like, to- like totally hated or worse. It just means like, uh, I, I just meant by it just basically because uh, you had the like favourite or proud moments. Well, here's the yeah. opposite side of the things I was trying to aim for. Yeah, well, I think like on television, especially quite recently, mm-hmm. I guess this might. I don't really like. I don't really watch wrestling on television. Really, I'm more inclined to watch stuff that's more local to me or people that I know. Mm-hmm. But I'm also I also go quite far back and look at wrestling. And I'll be honest, like I think the thing that that bothers me. I think I, I used to think of my own work mm-hmm. because I could. Uh, I've never ever done a leg slap, for example. Mm-hmm. And I think it looks terrible. Mm-hmm. And obviously, people like Jim Cornette don't like it. Mm-hmm. But my mindset has been like I've never ever done it myself. But then I've watched my uh, my own performance in the past. Mm-hmm. And I think the thing I hate the most is not selling something as well as I could do. Mm-hmm. It happened more in the past, but not selling something as well as I could do before moving on to the next part of a match or a sequence or but it can be, it's terrible in rumbles because if you know you've got to be somewhere and somebody's beating you up mm-hmm. you just suddenly no sell what they're doing to, to, mm-hmm. to run off and get to where you've got to be in the in the in the match but for me quite recently I, well I say quite recently for myself I think I've I've hated the uh, not so much the, the the pirate gimmick I never hated that at all I think when I've watched stuff on television where people have done because the problem is it's just because some people have done quite well in the wrestling business doesn't mean to say that they've got all of the all of the real skills to make something mm-hmm. convincing or something look really good and a, a lot of the time especially I am I think it's the thing that makes me the cringe the most is when people start strike sequences be that people who are the best at it on television mm-hmm. or people that are locally either just learning or maybe they're also good mm-hmm. at it but the the leg slappiness mm-hmm. and the the, the 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 sequence in general, like suddenly everybody becomes a ninja mm-hmm. or some kind of kung fu artist where they're doing all of these strikes. Now striking offense is really good, but I'm tired of hearing <laughs> because it is it's clearly being done. Even people that are really good at disguising it, and they will get a reaction from mm-hmm. crowds. But I've managed to to do it without getting reactions mm-hmm. and it's not because i'm kicking people hard i think it's because i'm disguising where the noise is is coming from or i'm learning to make it off of the people i'm working with mm-hmm. uh, so i, I don't I, I i think that to me i always think that's quite c- kind of cr- cringy mm-hmm. is the is the word but for myself i've uh, i've hated what and I, this was more back in the past mm-hmm. where i've been throwing in strikes and there's been a lot of uh there's like uh, almost been like a lot of uh, theatrics before it for the actual strike itself, and this was more when I was starting out. And I thought you could. I, mean, I was told often you can lay lots of things in a lot harder, mm-hmm. and eventually I would. But by watching my performance, sometimes if I'm not laying in something that I think is solid and, and safe, mm-hmm. then I get quite disappointed. But I think that I think I think well, yeah, it's bothered me a lot more that because. Uh, I mean, it's got to be believable. It's got to look believable, mm-hmm. I, I feel. And you don't really need loads and loads of strikes. I think you devalue the power you're meant to have as a wrestler mm-hmm. if you're punching somebody constantly and not doing much damage to them. But in my mindset, the uh, 
I, I can I, I try not to, and I think that's why I've uh, mm-hmm. I've I've tried to focus on it in the last couple of years. That uh, if I, I'm maybe not not me, I'm moving too fast in the ring. That's not what I mean. Mm-hmm. It's more a case of I could have in the past given more. Mm-hmm. I think I've, the problem is is of when you're being thrown around, and I shouldn't have let this happen. It's happened mm-hmm. for years. When I look back and I can't watch my performance because somebody's power bombed me a hundred times and there I am popping back up because mm-hmm. physically and uh, like cardio wise I was able to mm-hmm. and that's where some seasoned wrestlers would say you're really you're good at what you're doing but the fact is is that when you've been beaten up in a match mm-hmm. you'll fly about again and do these all these kind of intricate complicated springboard spots and they're cool but it doesn't show the fans that you've been beaten up mm-hmm. so much so it ruins the wrestler you're in with but then there's the other side of it. I've watched mm-hmm. a match recently. For, I say recently. It was like the end of 2019. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was being beaten up and thrown a- around by a tag team. Mm-hmm. And then when I came to do my moves to them, I hit them with one move each. Mm-hmm. And that knocked them down. And I thought, that looks awful. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't so much the sequence. It was more the case of these are big guys. Mm-hmm. But they, they wanted to get lots of stuff in. Mm-hmm. And when they, t- when they got their heat on me, and they were faces as well, mm-hmm. but they went and got heat. They became villains because they were just throwing me around. The problem mm-hmm. was is that I'm only five foot two and just under ten stone. Mm-hmm. So throwing me around, you would think uh, it wouldn't take that many slams, backbreakers, mm-hmm. and clotheslines mm-hmm. to destroy me. That's not to say that small people can't be strong. That's just a wrestling delusion that people that who are short mm-hmm. can't be strong. Obviously, bigger people uh, are obviously mightier and stronger, which we all know isn't true. Mm-hmm. But and when I look back, and I think it's that aspect of matches that I see, but when I see it on television, and I think this match has been agented, surely, to make some sense. Mm-hmm. So there's some people are being... I mean, if you're going to do an underdog story and someone fighting underneath, I do mm-hmm. understand it. But I think that's the one thing. Looking at my own performance, I and I just used that tag match as an example, mm-hmm. I thought, why did you let them do all that they wanted to do on you? Because all it did was make them look crap, you and when you hit them with two little moves. It was their own fault. Mm-hmm. They should know better. Mm-hmm. But in my case, I thought, you need to say. So if, if I'm if I'm going too fast in the ring and I'm not selling as well as I think I could be for somebody, uh, I mean, I'll critique myself. I probably mm-hmm. have been okay. But I'll look and think, because what you're doing, you know, is trying to not go completely crazy. Because in the past, where there, it was, there was either I thought I wasn't selling too well or I sold too much. So there would be me leaping about in the ring, like I've said, but also that event I'd, or that match, uh, I'd probably have taken a clothesline and backflip the whole time and thrown myself across the ring. And I thought the, the, the believability is good and you're trying to do, mm-hmm. maybe not good, the believability is that you are being in a match, you are being thrown about. But the more you survive, the more you're making wrestling look like anyone can do it. Mm-hmm. So I really have to sell the, sell the story that my size is not only an advantage, but a disadvantage. But mm-hmm. this is, uh, I think, something that all wrestlers make a mistake of. And I see it in matches. Now I might see clips on on, uh, on YouTube or whatever else. Mm-hmm. And I think, okay, so if everybody isn't doing the same old kind of slappy leg combo to look like they're all uh, cool and mm-hmm. and lean and flying through the air, there's the, the aspect that what's happening in the ring. And ho- hopefully this is making a point. I'm I'm not being deliberately vague, mm-hmm. but to to go. In fact, yeah, I can I can go back to talk about an actual match, which has mm-hmm. not anything to do with the guy that's in it. But my point being is, it has to look uh, 
believable, I think. And I was always quite proud that I was feeling that I was managing to, for my size, work to a style that would be believable and I could still have good matches with people but I wasn't taking so much that I looked like a superman but the other person wasn't taking s or, or do doing stuff to me that I was just popping up from mm -hmm. and I think that's why these days I always make sure definitely get the, the, the selling out the way so that the audience are, are brought in and that your opponent looks good mm -hmm. and I've done that for years but a perfect example is I had a match against the wrestler Gabriel Angelfire who's really mm -hmm. good and I saw it a couple of uh, a couple of months ago, I actually found the link, and I watch it, and I think, right, I'm, I'm, I sprained my knee in 2015, but when I'm watching myself run about the ring here, I remember mm. how I used to run about the ring before my knee gave way, but, and it wasn't in that match, but I watched that match, and I think we gave each other lots back and forth, and it's a really good story, really good match, I think, and lots of other people thought so, mm -hmm. but I watch my pacing, my positioning, and my movement. And I can tell that I'm in pain, mm -hmm. not not from the wrestling. It's more that my shoulders still in pain, my back's in pain, and I don't like to watch myself move about like that. And when I'm throwing in forearms, I think it's I think they look passable, because uh, lots of people's strikes in wrestling are awful anyway. Mm -hmm. But I look back at that match and I think we we really pace each other well and we move about and I'm happy with it to an extent. The other half is that I can see that I I'm not. It's not me preempting, but I'm moving very differently, and there's something that I keep doing, and it's obviously when I'm about to be hit, or I'm about to be slammed, I'm doing a thing where I'm like, oh, I don't like looking at that, mm -hmm. as I'm shielding, and I'm not flinching, it's not that, I'm shielding my body for knowing what's coming, and I think, I was obviously in lots of pain, and I think it's hampering your performance, mm -hmm. Ewan, and it's the si similar thing happened when I was wrestling in Golspie, and in Berwick-upon-Tweed, mm -hmm. this must happen a lot. Is I know that when I'm hurt and I wrestle, my body ends up regretting it. So when I watch it back mm -hmm. in the, in recordings, like the Berwick upon Tweed mm -hmm. was for a W3L show, mm -hmm. I was wrestling Kevin Williams, and uh, that's nothing, that's nothing against him. And we were in Goldsby. I was wrestling Omar Mohammed, mm -hmm. and I remember watching all those matches back. And clearly, I've got something like I've got like a, it must be the, my traps or my upper back and my shoulders, but I am in agony, and I can tell I'm in agony when I'm wrestling. And I don't think the crowd can, but I can, because I'm not taking the, the crisp landings I'd like to. I'm not taking the the uh, the maneuvers as snappy as I'd like to. I'm clearly in a lot of pain, and I've persisted with wrestling. And mm -hmm. like I've not made it easy for myself. I've, wo I've worked my similar style. Mm -hmm. I've not made it easy. So when I see it on television, not that, not that the... I hope I haven't been too convoluted with what I'm talking about. When I see, I can never, I can tell people are hurt on TV usually. Oh. But I mean, like when I've when I've watched wrestling when I was younger, mm. I hated the fakery of some strikes. Some mm. people struck really well, mm. but now when I look at it, I think mm, this slappy leg nonsense. It's good when people can do it really well, mm. but then when everyone tries it, that it should really sound like boots mm -hmm. hitting the back of heads mm. or uh, fists hitting faces, not. Thighs being slapped, mm -hmm. and so when I when I watch my well when I watch myself strike, especially in the Gabriel Angel fire match, mm -hmm. I thought I can do that a lot better, and they're fine. It's, but the they're, they're definitely wrestling punches these days. I wouldn't throw them like that. Mm -hmm. So I look at myself, and as I say, I'm moving differently. But I can tell that I'm hurt, and when I see that I'm hurt in other matches, and again, it's not through my opponent that I'm wrestling. I'm kind of I'm not phoning it in, but I'm. I'm not being as careful as I probably would be 
and I'm still taking the same. I guess it's, it's I wouldn't say it was unprofessional, but I'm trying to provide the same levels, uh, same level that I would normally do without phoning it in because I refuse to do so. Mm. However, when I watch myself back, and like you and you, you could have made this so much easier for yourself, and no wonder you're, you, you know, you were hurt after and stuff like that. Mm. If your arm was sore, you could have, you could have been careful if your back was sore and. I've been riddled with injuries, mm -hmm. but I guess I'm disappointed in myself because there are wrestlers now who mm -hmm. would say, you could have made that easier mm -hmm. for yourself, but you, you pushed yourself to perform as you would normally. Uh -huh. and you, you don't have to. And I think whilst on the, the plus side, I don't like watching strikes that look terrible. Uh -huh. Now that I feel like, especially over the last maybe eight years from the match I was talking about with Gabriel Angelfire, those strikes weren't terrible uh -huh. at all, but I thought, nah, you could be throwing them in more, like more of you, move your body a bit more. Mm -hmm. You're just kind of throwing these little elbow jabs mm -hmm. and strikes. You could be making something. So now when I, when I throw strikes, as anyone that will know me, is that I put a lot of my force behind it. Mm -hmm. And I think that there was a, de a, a kind of a delicate way I wrestled years ago that I do not like to watch now because I think whilst a lot of the stuff was quite intricate and nice and it flowed, mm -hmm. there was a, I think I, I was too, maybe not too gentle, but I was too accommodating. Mm -hmm. That's it. That's the word I was looking for. And I've been told that. The thing I hate, and I cringe when I've seen it, I've been far too accommodating for people. I've let them have more from me than, than I've got out of them. And I think, mm -hmm. as I say, when I watch on on TV as well, when, uh, when people are, I think, when there's, well, I guess, uh, yeah, when people are very accommodating with each mm -hmm. other, it's not so much overselling. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's more a case of when people do this kind of a sell for something that looks dreadful, mm -hmm. and it's not taking something like a really simple move and making it look better by selling. Mm -hmm. It's stuff that's dreadful. And I, I mean, I, what my point is, and I'm a victim of doing it myself. Like I'll maybe not a victim, but I'm, I'm I, I accuse myself of doing it because I've looked back at the past. But it's one of the things I've thought as I've as I've continued within wrestling to. Uh, to make sure that my opponent gets enough in and I'm selling them to the best of mm -hmm. my ability. And sometimes it's gone, I mean, usually does go well and, and there's no problem. But yeah, so I think when I look back and I go, oh, like especially I've seen matches from way, way, like from like 2007 and I've gone, oh, come on, you and smack them. <laughs> mm -hmm. You don't like, it's been passable as a wrestling strike, but not passable in my head. I think, you know, you're out there fighting. You don't have to... Mm -hmm clothesline the guy lightly but then i'll see it in the modern day mm -hmm. where people are on and i guess it's just because people are starting out so i shouldn't be as cr critical but i got annoyed with myself and people would later say yeah lay it in lay it in a lot harder well, well, so when i see things what i'll say what? to you is that yeah. the big the biggest critic always in wrestling is yourself yeah i think you're right there and i think with the strikes, what I'll say is what I remember when I was going is you want to lay it into like you're hitting them, but this is what we've all, all been told. But don't hit them, make it light as possible, but yeah, so you don't hurt your opponent. And that's true, yeah. Once I, I once I got in like many years, um, a couple of years into it, um, and I, I'm probably yourself as well, you find a way you, you can you can lay it in. They would nowadays they would say it's strong style, whereas you you would yeah. it was almost William Regal's the best example I like to use, is like you're hitting them but you're not hitting them enough to knock them out, because I yeah. think I remember I, I, in that rumble I did strike you, and you had no you didn't even say anything to me afterwards. Yeah, well, it's 
probably, especially somebody your size, has to make it look devastating mm-hmm. as well if you're swinging your arms about. It. Mm-hmm. And I think that's why, like, I, I just, I think it was when was it? Was it uh, from 2008? There was a six-man tag, and I leapt up in the air to clothesline. I can't remember who it was, but I did it as a. I think it was a some kind of a hope spot. I think mm-hmm. I clotheslined someone mm-hmm. and. They didn't give me a great bump off of it, but the clothesline itself, like my arm connected with the clothesline, mm-hmm. but my body was already going down because I, I knew I'd clearly pulled it, and they were about to sell it, so it looked like mm-hmm. I still took them off their feet. Mm-hmm. But I was, I was embarrassed. I thought, oh, you and you could throw them better than that, and I realised that it was me as a, a young wrestler, not even really a year into the business, not wanting to hurt his opponents and trying mm-hmm. to work light and safely with them. But I would have if I just had upped it slightly and hit it like without being worried about it. I think that's what gets me the most, is that when you can tell stuff on TV isn't real, mm-hmm. and not just that, within local shows as well. And I think that's when the leg slapping begins. Mm-hmm. Some people will react to it, but that's where you can tell, mm, this is a bent job. Mm-hmm. So I try my best to disguise it as best I can. Mm-hmm. So as I say, when I'm selling for people, uh, I try and I don't go too over the top like I used to because sometimes mm-hmm. if I got clotheslined by somebody only a stone heavier than me, I'd be backflipping their clothesline. Mm-hmm. I didn't need to, but unfortunately, when you do stuff like that for people, they begin to expect that you're going to go the extra mile to make their stuff mm-hmm. look incredible mm-hmm. and they might not give that back. So when I know I've done that for people and I've not had it back, I get upset, but I also get upset when I've not given them my best, like I say, striking out Gabriel Angel fire. Mm-hmm. And we're both going back and forward, and I thought, you could lay them in better, you know, mm-hmm. at the time, smoother. It was like 2013, I think, and I thought, you could be a lot, you know, more to the point, you can be a lot smoother with that stuff mm-hmm. that you're doing. Well, it was smooth, sorry. I wanted it to be vicious. But, uh, it's again, that's not anything against Angel Fire. It's uh, a brilliant uh, wrestler. I, I, I was always given out of trouble. For, I had somebody tell me, I shouldn't tell the wrestler who I'm facing. I don't mind you hit me. Just don't knock me out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, I, I think, like, when I look at stuff like that, I always think that the strikes need to be laid in crisp and well. And if uh, you don't hit anybody for real, but the strike looks incredible, mm-hmm. then that's perfectly fine. Some wrestlers would say they'd prefer to do a strike that barely touches the, the wrestler to the other wrestler and looks really good. And I'm like that as well. But I think the... I, I've been annoyed at myself, like I've said, for the mm-hmm. um, the degree by mm-hmm. which I, I feel like I haven't connected as well, which doesn't happen often. But when I, it's more older matches I look at and I think, yeah, you were being... You were being nice, or you were you were trying not to hit anyone when it, too hard. When it comes to older matches, I found that, uh, and just looking at uh, looking at anybody when they're starting out, or even just a wee bit after that, there's things you learn and pick up and change. I mean, hell, uh, the best way the best way you can probably say it is look at what your finisher was when you started, and then look what it is now. Yeah, well, that doesn't make sense. Yeah, uh, is. The way I'd say is I tried to do an elaborate finisher at the start and I ended up ending up just basically doing a choke slam by then. Yeah. So you... Find out what, mm. what works. Mm. So uh, moving moving on to the next one. What, uh, how hard is you find it dealing with like ordinary life, like being your normal 95 job and then being a character? How's... If you want me going, I'll go and explain more. But it's just like how you, how is it dealing with just like cause 
in British wrestling, obviously, you don't make like that much money. But um, how is it to juggle in both your your ordinary life and being the character? Well, I'll try and summarise this because I feel like I, I chat loads. But my the first couple of times when I was younger and I was starting to wrestle, it, I wasn't playing so huge a character. So mm. I had to, again, I had a rubbish phone. I still have a rubbish phone. But I would show people posters I was on mm. to make them like actually say, or like a flyer. I am a wrestler. But whilst I look different, wearing a bit of pink mm. and a top hat and stuff, people kind of like the, my normal life and what I was doing wasn't so divided and then when I started to depict the very good Mr. Ewan G. Market, which is really just me but looking for great excuses to be weirder mm-hmm. the people, this is the, the biggest problem is that folk often think they'll come to me with a really weird concept or a match mm-hmm. and imagine that I'll go oh because obviously I'll like every weird thing that's ever been suggested anywhere ever they'll say oh yeah Ewan got this really cool idea for a match yeah, uh, well, you're going to wrestle, right? There's a sheep round the ring or something. And I think, can I not just have a normal match? Mm-hmm. Can, can't I just have, like, a, like I'm not, I don't actually go home to a real castle, even though I call my flat castle Macula, mm-hmm. which I did in the past. And I think the, 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 the slightly uplifting side of things is there was a, a fan I know that said his son wanted to go to Kirkcaldy to find Castle Macula because he was convinced I lived in a, like, he was totally drawn in by what I did, thinking I was a weird... Dracula-esque, Frankenstein, a Dr. Frankenstein-style mm-hmm. character that lived in a, a, a huge castle somewhere. That's good. That's a good version of things. Mm-hmm. But the other thing is, of course, is that when I meet, especially around about 2014, mm-hmm. or 13, 14, 15, when I drink a lot in Kirkcaldy, mm-hmm. people knew I was a wrestler, but they all seemed to think that I was a bizarre character that had fallen mm-hmm. out of some kind of dimensional rift <laughs> from like a kind of Hammer Horror mm-hmm. film. And I think that I, I found myself being especially these days I'm probably one of the most laid, da- laid, laid down laid back down to earth almost horizontal you mean almost horizontal I mean I am I'm lying down right now but, the, but it was they imagine oh it'll be weird I saw this thing it reminded me of you and people will send me pictures of plague doctor masks or Venetian carnival mm-hmm. masks or steampunk style done up top hats and I think there was a time when I was doing this kind of stuff and nobody really knew what it was mm-hmm. And then more and more wrestlers started to try steampunk things or they wore masks like to the ring or whatever. And mm-hmm. wrestlers have been doing stuff like that for years. But that's the hardest thing is that when people meet me, they often imagine I'm going to have a bizarre life. Now, I do live a degree of a kind of bohemian hed- hedonistic life mm-hmm. at times. But a lot of the time, I'm, I genuinely, I am just going to the shop to buy juice <laughs> or I'm going to get like a couple of potatoes. So when I've met people that think I'm going to, like, I'm not going home to shag the potatoes. <laughs> I'm not going home to, to turn them into my own little minions. Mm-hmm. I'm quite simply going home to put hummus in them. Mm-hmm. But people believe that, like, or fans have believed that I live this really, really uh, weird life. So if I say, oh, I was I was caring for a, a gentleman that I, I worked for in St. Andrews. Mm-hmm. And I, was, uh, I support him. I'm a carer for him. Support work. People go, Oh, I can't imagine you having that kind of a job as if I go home and plan really evil schemes, mm-hmm. you know, or I'm at home scalping children <laughs> to get the blood. And I think, no, no, what I'm actually doing is that when I'm home, I'm probably watching uh, like lots of, uh, like I watch a lot of non-fiction. I think I create enough fiction mm-hmm. in my wrestling existence and we all create fiction mm-hmm. in our life. Anyway, uh, fiction, sorry, that uh, I, I watch something that's quite like grounded in truth mm. for a wee while. And I think that folk 
they they think because I've I've got a very bizarre kind of character when I wrestle. The thing is, well, that is me, mm-hmm. and this is why we've got to where I am now. Mm-hmm. I have realised as a person of my own, with no with no sense of modesty at all, that I am actually more interesting. There's some mm-hmm. wrestlers, as I say, the John Fires, the Chris Waters, the Retail Park, Ace Steel. They've all gotten themselves these fantastically like superhero like names, mm-hmm. but their real names are probably like you know David. You know, and and David, and I don't know. I mean, there's there's many wrestlers called David or Chris, right? Mm-hmm. Guys, th- those kind of a th- they have a probably young, attractive guys. Maybe they're the middle aged, mm-hmm. attractive guys, but they go home to a wife, a dog, and they watch Netflix, mm-hmm. right? Their chance to be there, as as it said, your, yourself, but turned up to eleven. Mm-hmm. Their chance to go out and be performers at the wrestling event that they're at, mm-hmm. and their name is probably going to be something like or like Josh Swift or. Which is nothing against that. Well, you, 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 you could use, definitely use me as an example. My like, Ross and my wrestling name that I like preferred to use was Killswitch. Yeah, well, see, there, there's the other thing is that you've got, like, I wasn't taking it, making fun of anybody called Josh. No, Ross, no, 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 I wasn't saying that. Before, before, but that's the kind of thing, like, that guy's name's probably, like, you know, uh, it, it might be, you know, his name's probably, like, you know, David Ronald or uh-huh. something. And, and he... As a, as a, and this is again not a dig, but he, him as a man, this David Ronald that we've invented, David Ronald feels like he can't go out, be, even being called Killswitch David Ronald. Because mm-hmm. people are like, no, it's kind of like, so he, he's changed his second name, he's be, he'll be like Davy Swift or Davy Steele, he has to change it. Mm-hmm. And I think that's because as a human being, you pass. You pass in the street, mm-hmm. you pass in a nightclub, you pass on the bus. Everybody looks and sees a man, a human being. Mm-hmm. When I go out, this is me, you and G Markey. People see something else, and it's not, oh, it's not a superstar. They see something that's not quite like them. And that's why the Neo paradigm, as it is just now and what I'm doing, is a case of me saying, I gave you characters for years. Mm-hmm. I really overly embellished myself. I created fantasy. Mm-hmm. I created stories. And now I've switched up my program. I am now me. Mm-hmm. But I'm going to do all the weird things I used to, but I am me. I am underneath my own... Mm-hmm. I am. I'm, I'm in my own skin, but I'm underneath my own program, my own way of thinking, my own mindset to say, this is how things are going now, and mm-hmm. this is how they've got to be. And it's a change. It's a shape up, uh, a change of the shape of things. Hopefully to come. I'm changing everything up, but I'm not changing. Like I've realised mm-hmm. that me being in the ring as the Goblin of the Skies or Sasso mm-hmm. the Clown, fans that started to know me, knew that had met the real me, knew the real me was just. The character was an excuse. Mm-hmm. It was always an excuse just for me to act overtly, unusually, and over the top. Mm-hmm. And it was to, to draw people into the performance. Now, I think I've got to the stage where I could walk out as me mm-hmm. because that's what was beginning to happen. As a pirate, mm-hmm. like after a while, as I'm going, oh, that shivered my timbers, people were, I think they maybe realized I was taking the piss. Mm-hmm. That's why I was a pirate. Mm-hmm. I'd gone completely in one fanciful direction. So in my real life now, people still expect. I'm going to be this unusually bizarre character, but I'm not. But then at the same time, you're wrestlers on mm-hmm. the on the circuit. As I say, the well, there's John Fire, mm-hmm. Chris Water, Davis Steele, mm-hmm. the Retail Park, Ace Steele. Mm-hmm. Maybe they're a tag team. Who knows? Mm-hmm. Josh Swift, the Kill Switch. Mm-hmm. These kind of these kind of guys. Like the, you have a prefix, but everyone's got a prefix mm-hmm. now, or they're something someday, someday. And I thought I need to clear all of that away. The very goodness of UNG Mackey's gone. Captain UNG Mackey, Sassel the Clown, mm-hmm. Mega Man, all these, all these names. And I thought, take your own name, Ewan, mm-hmm. the name you were given, your real name. Some people think it's mm-hmm. still gimmicked. Mm-hmm. What's your real name? 
the, it's on the it's on the the, the graphic, you fool. You know mm-hmm. uh, that that reality of me realizing that I'm not as weird as everyone thinks I am, but I'm I'm still quite unique in the sense that I performed. Again, I'm not being arrogant. I'm, I performed being weird characters for years, and I really, really stuck to the mystique of what I was doing. Like, I wouldn't sign autographs with kids, mm-hmm. or if kids handed this weird character mm-hmm. a book to be autographed, I'd probably scribble all over it, fold the paper, and give it back to them, and do something unique and u- unusual. And it was liberating. It was so liberating to be behind the mask and playing this this like bizarre version mm-hmm. of myself, because it was like a performance. I was able to... I had, I had great fun oh, but, uh, asking me bizarre, I'll bizarre I'll, questions. I'll let you in a, a, a little uh, confession. Before I actually spoke to you, mm-hmm. I, I thought you were eccentric, not to the degrees of uh, your characters, but I, I did think you were slightly eccentric. Well, I think I, think I would still say that I was, but I, in, a, in a sense where people... They take it to the the extreme where they seem to believe that you're depicting these mad characters. You mm-hmm. don't, you're not, you're not married and you don't have a, a family, so mm-hmm. therefore you must be mentally ill because mm-hmm. you're not following all these conventions. And I think no, I've, I, I did live a life that was that was similar to that. I had a partner, I had a car, mm-hmm. I had a house, mm-hmm. and it just didn't work for me. So when I took the the approach that I did with mm-hmm. wrestling, mm-hmm. I guess that's what's happened now though is that I've got to a a point where I, I kind of begrudge it in a way mm-hmm. i think I, I i did everything i could to stand out mm-hmm. but it felt natural it felt normal it felt great to do it, it felt quite liberating and then people started to mm-hmm. and it's not just i don't need to live my life on the opinion mm-hmm. of people but it's unfortunately however folk think within the wrestling environment sometimes it takes an approach where you get asked to do unusual mm-hmm. things and it's like oh you're, you're a strange character you and so let's do this thing where you you come out of a vending machine or something mm-hmm. and i think whilst that's cool We've got a lot of people taking the wrestling business serious, mm-hmm. very seriously, that they're going to see that as a, an insult or a dig, mm-hmm. or that it's not nearly as superior, well, it doesn't quite suit them mm-hmm. as they think they're superior. And I, I eventually, after a while, thought the greatest power I have mm-hmm. is truth. Because over the last 17 years, mm-hmm. I've been able to, or 16, 17 years, I've been able to rant about a lot mm-hmm. about stuff and how I felt but as I've said to people the pirate version mm-hmm. of me couldn't say backstage stuff out loud and the very good Mr. Mm-hmm. Luigi Mackey had to be very whimsical in the way that he put stuff so that people weren't people were drawn into the mystique and not seeing the angry mm-hmm. little man behind it mm-hmm. and I thought but it's about time the world saw the angry little man that's there but he's only angry and slightly twisted and bitter because wrestling was never glamorous mm-hmm. for him when he got started mm-hmm. and the more he tried the more he just did 17 years worth of being in the wrong place at the wrong time and always missing the mark. But not missing the mark because he didn't try, not missing the mark because he sucked. It was more he missed the mark because he was either ahead of the curve or behind it. But Uh, what if I acknowledge that now? What if I say to people, this is my new thing and I'm doing it regardless, and I say to the the wrestling world, I have truth for those that need to be, you know, uh, David, David Steele, kill switch David Steele, He needs that, but if mm-hmm. I sit out here and not, if I wrestle this guy and I tell the audience, but not, I don't destroy his gimmick, but I tell him, he's created this name for himself. He wants you to call him that. Mm-hmm. That's what he'd like to be known as. I've taken my own name and made it matter. Mm-hmm. David Ronald couldn't take David Ronald and make him a star. Mm-hmm. David Ronald had to take Davy Steele, the kill switch, mm-hmm. and make that something that doesn't make a lot of sense but for you people to buy into. Mm-hmm. Whereas I am 
Ewan G. Oh, you're getting a promo here now. <laughs> I am Ewan G. Mackey. I was born with that name. Mm-hmm. I'm a small man from Scotland who was told he would mm-hmm. never get anywhere in the wrestling business. He persisted. He persisted because he wouldn't give up. He mm-hmm. had a, a stony heart and, a, and an iron will and would continue to keep going. And yet he could have done things better for mm-hmm. himself. He could have made less mistakes or he could have he could have made more. But the point is, is that I will take my own name, my mm-hmm. own personality and I will give you that back as a gift because all of the characterizations I gave you yeah. were taken in but just like comic book characters they were seen as just an illusion of a real person mm-hmm. this is a real person I am now mm-hmm. and that's where I see it like the creation of these characters or the understanding of uh, mm-hmm. of what I'm doing people thinking I'm weird in my real life I could be there's, mm-hmm. there's opinions and feelings I have that are probably seen as weird but I would say that I was a lot more down to earth than mm-hmm. I'm given credit for. So when in the normal world, when I tell people I've, you know, I've, I've taken my, my friend's child to the first gig, I say mm-hmm. child, teenager, mm-hmm. and I, I look after, like, you know, I look after a, or support a man for a job, and uh, I, I did this for my niece and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Thinking, oh, you actually have interactions properly with people. I thought you'd be in your, your mm-hmm. castle drinking black liquid. That's what you do. Mm-hmm. And then when, when that's all said and done and Bugs Bunny's said that's mm-hmm. all folks are being a porky pig, you go back into the comic book, mm-hmm. back into the video case, back into the toy box as a character. Yes. I think, no, actually, interestingly enough, when you go away after the wrestling mm-hmm. show, you wrestlers, you big, strong, important wrestlers, have finished typing your Facebook status mm-hmm. for the day. Am I not that brilliant? I'm amazing. Thank you, everybody. Uh. Here's a picture of me for 100 likes. After you've done all of that stuff, I'm still there. Mm-hmm. I still exist. I haven't stopped mm-hmm. existing. Uh, I haven't started to be a character. And all the fans and the punters that have thought that, it's, it's been good to create that mystique mm-hmm. of a character. But when people bring it back to you as if their way of life will confuse and frighten me, you're not like I'm an mm-hmm. alien that's come down and thought, oh, no, going to the shops, that's scary. Mm-hmm. You know, like, uh, I, I think that, I mean, going to the shops is scary. But <laughs> Can be. I do think that, that people have, have bought into the weirdness that I've depicted. Mm-hmm. Without seeing it as a piece of art, they've thought, ah, this is just you. This mm-hmm. is what you've decided because you're crazy, you're weird. And I think, well, and maybe those things, and I am, I guess, mm-hmm. interesting in many ways because I'm not like other people, but I am down to earth. I am normal and I'm able to do real human things with my real family members and mm-hmm. understand them. I have lots and lots of friends that I like to spend time with. And whilst I'm, we might have a bizarre laugh and we're strange and we're weird people, I'm not mm-hmm. nearly as bizarre as what I've depicted but I am, I'm not living that thing that I see as weird, like the David Ronald, who's not a real, well, mm-hmm. he probably is a real person, mm-hmm. but we've made him up. Mm-hmm. Killswitch, David Ronald, or Killswitch, David Steele. Mm-hmm. David Ronald at home, he probably potentially goes and works in a call centre. I'm not giving him a boring job. He's mm-hmm. got his partner and his dog. He likes watching real crime on Netflix. That guy, mm-hmm. he needs, he needs David Steele. The, the mm-hmm. Killswitch, David Steele, he needs that. Because that when he goes out in front of an audience, mm-hmm. he realizes if he came out as David Ronald, mm-hmm. the guy that watches Netflix with his, you know, with his missus, mm-hmm. and he has his dog, and he works the call center, they are not going to react. They're going to see a normal man. Mm-hmm. So he needs to be David Steele. Mm-hmm. He needs to be. But Ewan G. Mackey can be whoever he wants. And mm-hmm. he, I have been loads of different iterations, loads of different characters I thought would be marketable and mm-hmm. funny. And in some cases, they have been. So, an, ex- now, so an extension yeah, onto that, that question... I say your ordinary life. I was just meaning uh, at this point. This question is really: How do you juggle? Like you've you've obviously got a, a ninety five job, 
and you do yeah, perform. Well, it's, it's more like it's more like a nine till nine in the morning. Uh, yeah. yeah, you you've got a, a normal everyday job. Um, how does it feel like going from? Because I remember m- myself like if I had a really good show, I, I feel on top of the world, and the next day I had to go and like put things through the checkout. <laughs> yeah. Oh God, yeah. I just wondering how you, how your experience with something like that. Well, I'll try and s- summarize it. But the, the 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 bizarre thing is that sometimes people don't know what to expect for wrestling. Mm-hmm. So, like, especially in my recent night shift work that I've been doing, uh, I say recent. I've done it for three years, but the. Mm-hmm. I think people knew I wrestled, knew I was paid for it, knew mm-hmm. that I travelled, knew that I was mm-hmm. very busy, and knew sometimes I could be wrestling, 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 mm-hmm. working, 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 and they would, they would, they would used to respect it. But I had sometimes I feel like I have to show highlight videos. I recently did one. It's, it's almost ten minutes mm-hmm. of the of uh, buried at sea, Captain Yuji Maki buried at sea is the name of it on YouTube. Mm-hmm. If anyone's watching and wants to watch it, Captain Yuji Maki buried at sea. That's my farewell to the pirate gimmick. Mm-hmm. Uh, Anyway, I've had to say, look, I maybe do like a, like, I guess it's happened for years, is that people, again in Asda, when I started out wrestling, people didn't believe I was a wrestler, they just thought mm-hmm. I was saying that as a thing because I liked wrestling, mm-hmm. and I was showing people, uh, and this is regular filthy punters, mm-hmm. mind. and I don't mean like the, I don't mean the people that come in to buy food in Asda, I mean like the actual workers, but I would say, look, I am, and then there'd be silly lads and lasses going oh none of it's real oh it's all fake who are you hulk hogan i mean yeah yeah brilliant. i got that by the way i got that as well exactly i'd say let's see you move your worthless carcasses oh no what are you doing gradually moving towards the regular life of a punter and you you know some kind of asinine Mm -hmm. existence that they live lived by whatever their little rectangles tell them maybe not so much in the late noughties but definitely uh these days so uh-huh. the thing is where, where i work now they they all know i wrestle and they all yeah. know that i sometimes have quite a busy schedule with it mm-hmm. and sometimes i'm actually glad that i've maybe finished the night shift and i've got four days off there's no wrestling uh, no work yes. nothing and I, I cannot wait to put my nearly 40 year old arse into bed mm-hmm. and sleep for a day but uh, they know what my schedule is like so my because i spend close quarters uh-huh. people uh, like uh, like when I'm working alongside them, I can spend a bit of time talking about wrestling, mm-hmm. and that's where when when people know what it is I do. They, I've had friends of mine that work ask for t-shirts, or they've watched highlight videos, and they've known how hard that I've I've worked, or where I've travelled, or whatever I've done. I think growing up, though, and I say growing up through wrestling because in my, I was in my twenties now, I'm in my late thirties, mm-hmm. which which hurts to say that. But the growing up from a from going through wrestling and I had different jobs, people had such a level of disrespect. Oh, yes. And that's what annoyed me is that they, I felt like it's not a little trampoline game. I'm not going when I'm going away to wrestle. I'm not going to jump on a trampoline with a couple of grown men. I'm going to perform and wrestle in front of a crowd. Mm -hmm. So that, like, if I was finishing a Saturday shift when I was working for Scottish Autism, I'd say, look, I'm getting picked up outside. I've got a wrestling event tonight at the Regal Mm -hmm. Theatre in Bathgate. And they'd look at me as if to go, what like you're you're actually a wrestler it's not just you playing on the trampoline mm-hmm. with your friends and i no i'm not saying i'm going to wrestle tonight for a, f- a fun thing with a couple of drunken friends mm-hmm. it's not this i bizarre idea you've got i'm going to a theater where i'm about to go into a ring 
and and wrestle in front of an audience. And I think it was it was when it starts, people look up and down and going, oh, really? And sometimes thing is, though, I've been told mm-hmm. by folk to say, what does a wrestler look like, though? And because I always say I won't look like what you expect a wrestler to look like. So in the normal world and going back to a normal job mm-hmm. uh, or a shoot job, that sometimes it can be I I I, I think it's be, it was demoralizing sometimes because mm-hmm. I'd finish uh, like it might be an, an ICW show at the garage just say mm-hmm. and then I would be back to work Monday Tuesday and I'd look at the like the reviews coming up of people posting statuses mm-hmm. on Facebook and I I remembered how that thing is all like I I'd still seen it as a job but mm-hmm. you know, a job or an event I really really in, enjoyed being a part of mm-hmm. when I was back to the regular world it was how minimal they made my effort seem that weekend mm-hmm. like that kind of a feeling where you've just you've had a reaction of an audience you've spoken to lots of people it's been reasonably hedonistic there's been mm-hmm. drink drugs drama and you and then you, you you're back in the normal world and you'll have somebody that that believes they're a manager telling you what has to happen and because you've moved like mm-hmm. again i'm working with people with autism so i've because i've moved something or i've uh, i've decided that like I've, I've made a decision for one of the service users who couldn't make a decision, I'm wrong. Mm-hmm. And I think, well, they're not hurt. Nobody here got hurt. I think you're having to go at me. And I think mm-hmm. you're having to go at me because you think you're being a manager. You're. They're not hurt. They, they made a decision, and I was the person that, that made it happen. Sorry if it's something you don't think they should have, like a grown man buying a stuffed mm-hmm. toy, but they do have autism. So just remember the next time you flip that back round uh, and throw it in my face when I don't buy him something. But my point being is that I thought you were actually in an audience. You were actually an audience. No, not an audience. You're in, you were actually in front of an audience, giving them something to either cheer or boo, mm-hmm. with real fire behind what you were doing. Mm-hmm. And here you are, letting a, a woman in her mid fifties talk down to you about something that you made yes. a decision for. Eventually, and as time went by, the wrestling persona part of me would emerge, and I'd, I'd stifle it. Mm-hmm. And then at one point, I'd be like, "Just you remember, next time this happens." that what you've said here and now, because I'm going to make a note and we're all going to remember. And I'd be like, wow, where did that come from? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, but that was, I think that was what eventually I let myself be a pushover in regular working environments for people to act like a wrestling with this kind of comedy over the top silly thing I did. See, actually showing them footage. Mm-hmm. And it's the same with my pole dancing as well. People go, mm-hmm. oh, wow, okay. It's it's legit. It's a real thing, and I think yes. Now you move your carcass in the same way, or you can't. There you go. I never ever disrespected you prior to this, but I'm mm-hmm. disrespecting you now because you're not respecting what it is. I put a lot of time into doing, mm-hmm. off the back of as well mm-hmm. coming in to do this job and trying to be civil with people who clearly are up their own arses. And the job that I've got now, mm-hmm. they have a lot more respect for it. I don't think they respect it nearly as much as they should at times, understanding that mm-hmm. when I say, look, I've got events coming up, can I navigate round? It's not always possible mm-hmm. due to staffing, I understand that, mm-hmm. but everyone understands how hard I work, mm-hmm. and I'm glad it's, it's still a trek. Sometimes I've got to go from a shift to a show, and it happens quite a lot, and it it's going to put me in an early grave, but at least where I am now respects the the level to which I, I, I work hard. Mm-hmm. But past jobs haven't because they've just assumed they've seen wrestling as a silly niche thing on television. How could you possibly do that? You're five foot two. Mm-hmm. And I think, well, if, you know, it's, it's their ignorance. But then you kind of have to show them. 
And I think what I should have done, and again, I regret it, I wasn't assertive enough mm. back in the past for being disrespected and for them not understanding how hard I worked. Because you'd get this really patronising comment, oh, I've, I watched that wrestling video you put up, you're actually quite good. You know, yeah. I'm really like, oh, wow, you know that, oh, and is your TV good? I would say, yeah, I've watched some stuff on the TV, and, and you look, you know, you look, you belong there, you should, you should really get, really look into that in a real patronising way. I mean, you don't think that we've had opportunities right at our door mm-hmm. where there's been tryouts and stuff like that you know in my case i threw away a lot of opportunities in the past a lot of things i could have gone in for and mm-hmm. i didn't but when you hear something like that it was a case of do you not think like how patronizing this sounds mm-hmm. you know but anyhow uh, I, you you'd be surprised that somebody my size would get exactly the same treatment but it did happen so yeah. moving on um Basically, wrapping up with uh, the last two questions, with what is your plans and goals for the future? Well, really, I think that for me, I just want to keep doing as I'm doing, and I think I've I've really embraced the. I say I've really embraced the what I'm doing just now. People going, "Oh, you're a bear!" No, I'm not. Uh, is a bear costume? I probably refer to myself as a. It's a juxtaposition. If I'm such a cuddly little creature from Toyland, mm-hmm. or um, some kind of pointless character, silly little illusion of a person, why is it that the thing that hops out of the friendly little bear costume happens to be the the, the most like the, the most unique like product of, of wrestling in, in the last couple of years, I would say. There's lots of unique wrestlers, mm-hmm. but for me, I'm coming out being me and saying, look, it's almost in the same vein as Liberace, do you, Lady do you, Gaga. Do you remember, uh, I don't know if you'll remember, but when I was a child, I had used to get these things called werebears. Yes, the werebears, I had loads of them. That's uh, basically what I could get in mind when I used to say that. Yeah, that's entirely, and then obviously they released the terror tabs as well, mm-hmm. really cool after that. But yeah, yeah. Uh, I guess I'm not so much a werebear, but I, I, I needed to, do, I knew that I could, I'd always done stuff that was reasonably eye-catching and memorable, and I thought I'd always wanted to do that, in the same way I'd always wanted to be a pirate and be goblin of the seas, so I I just decided, I, I mean, it kind of happened quicker than it was meant to, and there were circumstances in the way where I kind of had to just jump on and do it, but when I did it, that's why myself today is is I really want to deconstruct and analyse wrestling because mm. I know that like within the wrestling context, somebody can be seen as a total superstar. You go out of the wrestling context and there's people that maybe like football or music mm-hmm. and they don't know who the wrestler is and they think he looks stupid. Like, look at, look at the state of his muscles. Mm-hmm. Guy might be hewn for solid rock, mm-hmm. but folk are like, look at the size of those arms. That's disgusting because mm-hmm. they're more focused towards an actual, like, a, a, you know, they, they might, the guy might not have big muscles. It's wrestling how it looks to the, the, the lay people it's, outside of the environment. It's not the perfect example of that. It was like uh, sumo wrestlers, you might think they're just fat, yeah. but they're blocks of muscle. Yeah, they are. They're like really, really strong. Un- un- unstoppable forces mm-hmm. in many cases and that's why I think what I'm going to do is I want to make I, I, I'm going to I've always thought of being a, well it was an idea I had years ago to be like a kind of wrestling activist mm-hmm. or live artist making lots of points like getting myself deliberately counted out or disqualified to prove a point mm-hmm. but what I'm also trying to do is be an anti-champion in many ways and say that we've given these belts significance because we've all agreed within the mm-hmm. wrestling environment 
they're worth something. If I show an outsider's mm. belt, it'll probably mean nothing to them. Mm -hmm. And that says to me that my silly little costume is actually more important to me and what I am and what I do than a title belt. Mm -hmm. And so my choice to, to collect title belts, which I've, I, well, I just recently lost one, but I did mm -hmm. have uh, a collection of them, mm -hmm. uh, that my me taking titles was not because I wanted it. Mm -hmm. I'm done. The time to have put me into positions for contention for titles were years mm -hmm. ago when I was younger. Mm -hmm. Now I'm too old. They're not significant. I'll bring nothing to these belts. Mm -hmm. But me having them makes makes it so that other people don't have them. And because they don't have them and they want them, mm -hmm. that's why I want the belts. Mm -hmm. That's why if I'm competing for any championship, it's mm -hmm. not so I can hold it up high and say I'm proud I've won this. Mm -hmm. No, it's so I can put it into hopefully a little Perspex case and go, and the belt goes in there. Mm -hmm. And everybody wants it, mm -hmm. but they're not getting it. <laughs> because them wanting something makes me want it more. Mm -hmm. And that's the angle. Like now, hopefully throughout wrestling, I've maybe I think I've gone too far in it now. Mm -hmm. What I have done is gradually started mm -hmm. to do my own unraveling, my own downfall. But the deconstructing of wrestling, I hope so as well. It's really pretentious, almost as an artist. Mm -hmm. And what I planned to do from the very start to be a or I'd thought about it before I took mm -hmm. the showman route. Can I almost like I will deconstruct wrestling. Mm -hmm. So like I've said, you've got your really important big wrestlers that need mm -hmm. to look big, strong and important in the environment. Show them to a couple of regular punters who don't know who they are and like, who's this Tarzan? You know, they'll make fun of him. Totally takes away his his power. But that's the same wrestler in the environment that maybe looks down at you because you're you're not on his level or you or he thinks he's he's higher than you. But you can look at a wrestler like that. And whether that's in the K context of wrestling, you can oh. say to him okay cool you are this big important character but what you do needs to resonate within the wrestling environment mm -hmm. and if there's any overlap with anywhere else well done but how can you and Jumanke overlap wrestling mm -hmm. and the rest of the world and I think if I deconstruct wrestling and be aware of it I'm not telling everybody it's a work I'm not telling everybody it's a bent job mm -hmm. I'm more saying we've let these conventions happen for years and years and years what if a tiny man in a bear suit <laughs> changed how you were thinking about it mm -hmm. I can hear lots of shrieking. Yes, lots kids. Lots of shrieking. Halloween, what probably, do you expect? They probably know. They're probably very much aware. They're like, he's, he's here. Ross is speaking to you and Jim. <laughs> so I thought that's why, uh, almost like an art movement, mm -hmm. that's why there's the warning symbol mm -hmm. with, with the, the toilet man in it mm -hmm. thing for my new logo because that's my direction now and that's what I'd like to do. Plans for the future would be to take that concept of, of, of the live art, of the activism, and push it. So at some point, I want people looking and being in a crowd and thinking, do these belts really matter? Mm -hmm. Is the, the energy or the story or the, the, the actual, the point that this person's trying to prove, is it important? And as a face, that too is possible. I can be a villain doing it or a face. I just want to subvert what we've all begun to understand as typical wrestling rules. Because a lot of people have said things like, oh, it's very difficult to do something different now. Or pretty much every move you can do has already been done. And I think, really? Mm -hmm. No, you'll see people creating all the time. So I'm hoping that there would be, a, like, for example, something as, as revolutionary as Money in the Bank, mm -hmm. that concept, or, or a Royal Rumble, these match types, these like things that people do that, that end up having a, end up getting legs, they end up having a, any cliche, cliche you want, shelf life, all mm -hmm. these things that manage to, to run with, I'm hoping that somebody who can who deconstructs the very product he's part of mm -hmm. and asks questions about it, that hopefully will stick for a long time because mm -hmm. it will take years for wrestling to kind of 
flip over and adapt mm-hmm. to to this concept of somebody who's deliberately winning belts to stop other people mm-hmm. from having them. Has no intent to give the audience a show. In fact, intends to subvert the show completely to be something else. But as a face, also will take uh, conventions and spin them mm-hmm. and make the show different, or, or at least start to take, uh, I guess, very experimental ideas and turn things on their head. And that's my plan. <laughs> that's it for the mm-hmm. future. Wherever I go, I want to bring something different, something new, and I will. I will think outside of the box. It will not be because somebody's had a crazy thought. And I seem like I'm contradicting myself. That's not how it is. I'm quite ready to have a normal match. Just do that normal match very differently. It doesn't have to be a weapons match or a mm-hmm. sheep round the ring or a, 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 a confection court. It doesn't have to be anything weird. It's more a case of give me a normal match and I'll mm-hmm. change it. Mm-hmm. Give me a, give me a normal situation and you'll make it unique. Mm-hmm. You don't have to please me with all of this weird stuff or all these mm-hmm. weird storylines. Give me something very basic and I will think outside the box with it and and we'll create something that's mm-hmm. new and different and hopefully people haven't seen that can get them really emotionally involved mm-hmm. and and I think there's there's real potential there so that's what I see for the future because I don't care for, for for belts and for championships I really want to resonate with an audience so that they do not forget what they've seen and in the past they they've not forgotten me mm-hmm. I want them now to see the man I am the artist behind the art for them to go I know what he was trying to say, or he tried to make a point. They understand why I'm doing it. So yeah, mm-hmm. maybe they won't understand because they're all stupid. <laughs> hey, uh, at the end of the day, when it comes to all that stuff, um, you 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 would hope, but you you do your best to uh, give that to them, and maybe people who listen to this will get that idea now. So yeah. to to end this as easy as much as possible, um, and sorry, I'll just say that again, um, just to, to wrap up things up, where can people find you? And is there anything else you want to promote, and any upcoming events you want to talk about? Well, interestingly enough, I've just finished the run of October events, and uh, the only event that I have, uh, to to really advertise because November's quite quiet, uh, or it's it's coming up soon. Uh, we're in the last, we're the last day of October. Mm-hmm. It's Halloween. Mm-hmm. Everyone who's listening, oh, that's the kind of thing they think. Oh, Halloween. Eve. Go, yeah, but just be, just be like you doing Halloween. You and yeah, you're creepy and weird. And I think, well, I've actually gone so far back to almost a philosophical, normal point in my existence that I'm not weird anymore. I am, but not in the weird you're thinking. Mm. Sub- subvert that weirdness. Uh, yes, if if people want to, FCW have an event coming up in November that I will be part of. I'm going to do, uh, I don't think it's been advertised, don't want to spoil it, uh-huh. but my plan is to do a a, a live art segment. Mm-hmm. So you just can all go and check that out. Mm-hmm. As as far as things uh, as far as things go from there, uh, I think that's the one that I, I will advertise mm-hmm. because that's, uh, I think that's the, the next one that I'm doing. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm very happy to have, I, I just did an event this weekend I'm very happy to have the rest of this week off and the first week in November off. I'm so, so happy mm-hmm. because I have been, after the car crash I had this year, it was pretty bad. I've been sore the whole year, but I've worked intensely. I've I've done the shoot job and wrestled a lot. And I think this is the first time I've got, I think, potentially two and a half weeks. I've had two, or nearly two two weeks off this uh this year but the 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 events have been like you know thursday friday saturday or uh friday saturday sunday Mm -hmm. 
So what I'm hoping to do for the next two weeks is to go to the osteopath, chill out, mm -hmm. and then come back uh, with a, a vengeance at FCW, which is Fair City Wrestling, mm -hmm. which you can find on Facebook. If you're really interested to find me on Facebook, uh, just look for you and Ross will probably tell you. Mm -hmm. It's, it's uh, just uh, plain you in. No, no special gimmicks. Nothing else, just you and uh -huh. that's all that I am is my actual Facebook profile. And I've got a YouTube channel that I'm thinking if you're going to post this on Facebook, mm -hmm. Ross, I'll give you the link to my YouTube channel. I'll put that, that mm -hmm. and you'll you'll see whatever I'm doing that's updated. I've also mm -hmm. got an Instagram, but I, I've not posted on it in months, mm -hmm. so you might find me. But uh, that's under you and G Mackey. Mm -hmm. So yeah. Thank That's you. All I have to say. Thank you for your uh, your time and effort. After all, this will tell you how busy you has been. It is taking him till today. I mean, I spoke to my good couple uh, almost a month back to try and get yeah, him involved, and he's been that busy that this is the only time I could really catch him. But it's worked. I'd yes. Do it. Thank you for your your, your time and. Uh, and picking your brain on these questions, Mr. Yeah. UNG Mackey. Uh, thank you very much, Ross. It's been good to talk to you again. Mm -hmm. And uh, I hope that the guy that edits all this down isn't going to be annoyed that it's almost two hours. No, he's fine. <laughs> because he, he might be annoyed. No, but Thank fine. you very much. No problem. And I hope that, I hope that this has entertained uh, all of your listeners. And if it hasn't, well, then that's your fault. Oh, well, it's certainly entertained me. Let's put it that way. <laughs> Good. Good. At least one person's entertained. Thank you so much, Ross. No problem. Thank you. All right. Bye, guys. Bye. was a Quite the Thing media production.